0: what's up y'all welcome back to the keeping it 100 podcast this one has been a long time coming which i will explain in a minute but welcome back to Keep it 100 the podcast in which i emmett watkins jr also known as ej sponge 61 on all places on the internet It's where I count down my top 100 games of all time, or at least try to figure out that order so I can put them in proper ranking order and have an official top 100 list at the end of this whole thing. And we're going to get to the rest of this countdown. Of course, last episode, we finally got to... Actually, let me pull it up real quick. We finally got to sixty percent sorted, um, so we're gonna continue sorting it today. But let me just give y'all a heads up on why this episode is coming a little bit late to you guys. Because you probably noticed last week on Sunday there wasn't an episode of Keeping It One Hundred. Um, here's why. Basically, I so I I'm usually off on Saturday, so that's usually where I record these episodes of Keeping It One Hundred. And I got on there last Saturday and said, all right, let's uh, get this going. So for those of you who don't know, I-, I feel like I've said this on uh either on Twitter or on other episodes of the podcast. The process goes like this. So I'm recording the episode. Of course, I'm getting the audio right now for you guys listening in the podcast. But I also record a video version of this that I don't actually share. It's just for me to keep to myself, and I use that video to reset the sorting uh, website. So, for you guys who don't know, once again, um, I use this website called BiasSorter.com, and you put in your own list of items, and then it will organize that list into um, these battles, and then that's how I get these two choices of each game, and um, I choose what those battles are. Now, every time I if I close the website, it forgets the entire list. But if I keep the website open and I refresh the page, then it at least remembers that list of 100 games. So, worst case scenario, I have to enter in that entire list of those 100 games all over again manually. And that's not too hard compared to the real bulk of the work, which is resorting all of the sorting progress until we get to the one, until we get to the percentage that we left off on the last episode. For this episode, um, we left off at 60% after 282 battles. We very well might get to 500 battles by the end of this thing. And so what that means is the sorting starts over every time you refresh the page, every time it forgets the list, no matter what, if this page is altered in any way, it starts at zero, which means I have to reassemble the sorting and choose all the battles again. Now, luckily, because I have the video here, I just follow the video and I've actually made a written list in my Google Keep of all these games and which battles which and then which one won so I can just click through pretty quickly. But man, last week, I don't know, I was on something because I had a couple typos in that written list that I didn't translate properly from the video. And then I was getting real scared. So last week I was just really trying to sit there and make sure that I had everything right, but I didn't know what was going on. So I said, all right, what's whatever. Cause I kept getting to a certain matchup and it wasn't matching the number that it should have been matching on my list. So I said, you know what, I'm just gonna come back to this later. Here we are a week later, (laughs) late, late on Saturday, and I discovered that one of them was a typo. There was a matchup between Portal 1 and Destiny 2, and I wrote the winner as Portal 2. So when I got to that matchup, I just didn't even read Portal 2. I just read it as Destiny 2, clicked that, and then wondered why nothing else was working. And so I was really tripping out. And so, yeah, I, I... For whatever reason, I made that typo, I finally realized that was a typo, and then I tried redoing it with the proper list, and then I messed up and hit the reset button one time, another time I clicked the wrong thing, and you don't get to redo your choice, you have to, if you make an accident, you start back at zero, and it's brutal every single time, so yeah, I am really just... I am having a hard time at it. <laughs> um, luckily, we got it sorted out, and now we're here at the episode, finally. Thank God. By the grace of God, we are here. Um, but, yeah, we I had a rough time. So I'm going to try and... Um, keep this page open because I used to just be like oh I can just reset it later I'll close the tab now I'm trying to keep this tab open as long as I possibly can because I am not doing all of that again um or I am probably still going to have to but you know if I can minimize my need to do that I will Um, and also we're gonna probably assemble things a little bit differently here as far as the show going forward Um, because this is starting to take so long to reset every episode I'm probably gonna while I have this tab open, I'm probably going to do more episodes instead of doing like one every week. I'm probably going to do um, you guys are still going to get an episode every week, but I'll likely just record an ep- multiple episodes within the week. That way I can kind of have those put out there and then I don't feel time restraints with me doing this really long process to reset the list. So that's what we're looking to do in the future. Um, but otherwise, uh, I'll, I'll tease. I've been making progress on that finale that I've teased a little bit of, but I'll get to that towards the end of the episode. Today, we're gonna go ahead and kick off with the last matchup that we were on. We were on battle number 282 at 60% sorted. And let's take a look at this. This is Inside versus Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Now, this one's going to be pretty difficult. Um, Now, this is, this feels dirty because inside is the one that I think makes the most sense here. Um, because it is such a beautiful, impactful, strange, unique piece of art. Uh, I feel, I feel a bit of an urge to vote for it. But if I'm being honest with myself, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare has more of a complete package to me where inside, I love inside wholeheartedly, but it is just, i i don't want to be too reductive about it but that's exactly what i'm about to do um it does feel like it is it's a platformer it's a super special platformer but it is just a puzzle platformer at the end of the day um we're called the infinite warfare uh, actually no that doesn't feel fair because you could say call of duty infinite warfare is just a shooter and then it's a very good shooter but it's just a shooter at the end of the day i don't know i just feel structurally there's more there's more to the story of infinite warfare. And I don't mean like the narrative campaign. I mean the narrative of the product that is infinite warfare where yes, it is a shooter, but you have those really engaging characters. You have that, uh, gameplay structure where it doesn't just follow a linear campaign. Like a lot of call of duties do. It does kind of follow that, go to your ship, send off on a mission, go to your ship type thing of mass effect two that I really loved. Um, and it really i don't know you get perks from all the side missions and stuff it really incentivizes you to get into all the nooks and crannies of infinite warfare and i really liked and appreciated that about the game um and of course that multiplayer i really really did enjoy um, some of the most rewarding multiplayer in Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Not the most rewarding, but it was definitely up there. Uh, it was kind of a melt fest as far as the gameplay goes in multiplayer, because you could die in... I think there are literally some guns that you just die in two shots, and of course we know the sniper rifles kill you in one shot, and it was just a very high time to kill game, but it was it was pretty fun. Uh, not the best Call of Duty multiplayer, but the fact that the campaign stuck with me so much and those characters stuck with me so much, that's really what I take away from Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Um, so compared to Inside, I think it's going to come down to the enthusiasm test. And we've gone through this a couple of times on this show um, where I, I have more juice inside of me for infinite warfare than I do inside. And while I love inside, I feel like I love inside more objectively while I like infinite warfare more subjectively. And because of that, this is my subjective list. So we're going to go ahead and click infinite warfare for this one for battle 282. Battle 283 is going to be Inside versus Bioshock 2. Um, Y'all know what it is. This one's easy. I I always talk about Bioshock 2, so Bioshock 2 is gonna have to win this one. Um, Inside, I've showed my respect to you already, but Bioshock 2 has to win this one. I I love that game too much. (laughs) We don't wanna get too redundant here, but y'all know what it is. Battle number 284. Inside versus Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019. Huh, this one's interesting. Uh, now, while I do, I do greatly enjoy the campaign of uh, Modern Warfare 2019, it didn't hit me quite as hard as Infinite Warfare. Um, it's still up there in those campaigns, but I could I could easily think of other Call of Duties that had stronger campaigns to me. Um, or, I don't know if easily is the word uh i don't know the modern warfare campaign is good i i think really what it comes down to is i i think i've mentioned in a previous episode uh certain videos and things i've seen where the narrative of modern warfare 2019 doesn't really sit with me as well when you really look into it when you really scrutinize like its point of view and what it's saying about the world of militaristic combat and its characters and you know torture and stuff like that when you really dig down into what this game is saying it doesn't feel great which is why I'm a little bit hesitant on saying on being as loud about my love for that single player campaign it does kind of tarnish it a little bit in my eyes um but as far as the multiplayer goes I still believe uh, this multiplayer in modern warfare is some of the best the series has ever seen, if not the best, just outright. Um, I really love all the additions they've done. They've made more updates, and it's still good. A couple of technical issues here and there, but those things will be ironed out soon, I'm sure. And you know, the game is still great. The game is still solid. War zones making everybody happy. Um, but really, how much? How much is my love for that multiplayer? Because really, the multiplayer is what it comes down to in this game. How much is my love for that multiplayer gonna override my love for Inside's ending? and tone throughout um that's a really hard one to think of uh i'm thinking about it and i think i might have to just go ahead and say modern warfare because i i enjoy that game that's one of my comfort food games i just go back to that very very frequently um and i to the point where i have it on disc of course i buy all my call of duty games on disc which might be a trend that changes soon because a lot of these games like to keep my hard drive for a long amount of time so I can revisit them. So getting up to put the disc in doesn't make too much sense, but um, I buy all my games on disc and I bought modern warfare again digitally um, because I had the money, you know, stimulus check and all that stuff. But also I just wanted that game easily accessible at any time that I wanted. Um, Inside was fun for, for one time and for as great as it was that one time, I'm never gonna have that same amount of fun and just impressiveness and positive emotion on it during a second playthrough. Cause I know everything that's there. And plus, I question if my patience is still, uh, high enough to deal with some of the more obtuse sequences and in inside. But, um, inside is a game I love and respect still, but I have to vote for Modern Warfare. Um, I'm a shooter. Boy, at the end of the day, I hate to say it, but I am so. Battle number two eighty four is going to Call of Duty Modern Warfare twenty nineteen. Who? Battle number two eighty five. Inside versus Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, this is another one where, despite how impressive Inside is, I've actually been playing Assassin's Creed Origins again, uh, just a little bit so far. But I've popped it back into this tray, and this is another one I bought digitally because. You know i got fallout 76 is a game that i'm kind of playing a lot of now because i got me and my friend uh cl miller on twitter i guess (laughs) um yeah he he's been hitting me up and we've been playing in fallout 76 for a while so i have that disc in there so instead of using my origins disc i bought that digitally and i've been really digging coming back to it and it's making me realize why i love that game so much it just The different aspects of its gameplay just flow so well into each other, where the climbing feels seamless. Going from climbing to archery to melee combat to stealth combat to just hopping on a horse and everything. Everything in that game feels so seamless and they all just flow so well between each other, each of those gameplay systems. And it's really great. And plus the exploration doesn't feel too slow. I mean, you're walking on foot across the entire, I guess, country of Egypt, uh, almost to scale, I guess, uh, and some outside territories, too. So you would think it takes a long time to get around. But no, it movement is actually pretty fast, um, even without a horse is very surprisingly fast. And I forgot about that about the game. And just the music's great. Visually, it's awesome. Characters, uh, so many good things I could say about Origins. And I'm playing the season past content right now. So, um, I'm definitely getting reintroduced to why I love Origins so much. Um, but is it better than Inside? I, I think it is, man. Or, uh, I shouldn't say it's better than Inside. I think I enjoy Origins more than I enjoy Inside uh, because it mean it's in Africa, you know, that's, that's a big deal for me. And, you know, if, if you haven't seen the podcast art black guy here, so yeah, I'm partial to Africa. <laughs> um, I'm African-American specifically, meaning I don't know exactly where I'm from because of slavery, but like Africa's probably a good bet <laughs> unless I find out some 23 me shit in, in years from now. But in any case, I'm going to go ahead and vote for origins here. Um, once again, respect to out, respect outside respect to inside um a great game and you know i love it everyone else loves it but origins is really where it's at for me that just gives me so much more of the stuff that i crave from open world games or from games in general so yeah assassin's creed origins it is battle number 286 inside versus call of duty modern warfare 3 huh this is difficult as well (laughs) um now I don't remember I don't remember much of the campaign for Modern Warfare 3 outside of that final mission, because that really did leave an impact on me, because as I've said in previous episodes, I beat the entire Modern Warfare 3 campaign in one day on Christmas Day and getting to that final uh, mission was just super impactful. And it kind of just put a nice cherry on top of that entire um, MW trilogy, per se. Um, and it was just a really great ending and a really satisfying and appropriate ending for that whole miniature series within the Call of Duty series. Uh, multiplayer wise, it was one of my, it was my favorite multiplayer in Call of Duty up until, you know, the latest Modern Warfare, but uh, inside is still very, very good. Very, very impactful to me. I think this is a comparison between the two endings because, I feel like if it was just a multiplayer I was talking about here, I think I would go it inside. Because for as much as I love Modern Warfare 3's multiplayer, it does feel standard. It feels super generic nowadays when I think about it and go back to it. Because that was just, they took the great formula that they had in Modern Warfare 1, stacked on it in Modern Warfare 2, and then stacked on it again in Modern Warfare 3, where it just feels like an amalgamation of all these crazy ideas into one game. Which is a good thing, but just makes it feel like... The the bones there are still very much so the same Call of Duty we knew from 2008 before this came out um, to where it just feels like uh, it feels like bog standard at that point. Um, and of course, my headset's dying very early into the show because I had it on for a long time tonight trying to edit this. But, you know, that's not going to affect anything here. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm going to vote. When we think about the endings of these two games, they're single player campaigns, at least. We think about these endings and uh, really what it comes down to, that ending of Inside was just so much more impactful to me. Um, Sorry if you're hearing me fiddle with my headset back here, I'm switching batteries. Um, Yeah, the the ending of Inside was so much more impactful to me compared to the ending of Modern Warfare 3, Modern Warfare 3 just felt like, yeah, that was good, where Inside is like, what the fuck is going on? I can't believe what I'm even seeing. Um, so I think for that impact alone, we're going to have to go for inside right now. Uh, Modern Warfare 3, still a lot of love, still a lot of respect for you, but inside is going to have to take this one. And I feel like it's finally getting its just dessert. So yeah, let's go ahead and vote for inside here. Battle number 287, Uncharted Lost Legacy versus Modern Warfare 3. Another easy pick, uh, Lost Legacy, favorite Uncharted game. That set piece at the end still blows me away when I think about it and just, I really loved how it toyed with the open world structure in an uncharted game i really like those new ideas it introduced and toyed with um and the characters are great you know nadine and chloe uh really cool seeing them together and some of the other characters that you interact with along the way i love them as well so lost legacy it is battle number 288 uncharted 2 among thieves versus Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 and we're at 61% sorted by the way um oh I don't think I mentioned we're gonna get to 70% sorted in this episode so you know strap on in folks (laughs) should be a fun one uh I think I'm also going to choose Uncharted 2 here uh especially recently playing Uncharted 2 I think I played it like not that recently I think it was late 2018 something like that I just really think that game is so iconic. You know, so many, I can, I remember so much of Uncharted 2 fondly. Um, just the whole Shambhala section, the train, uh, Tenzin, the village, all that good stuff. Uh, there's just so much to love about Uncharted 2, and there's so much variety of things that impress me in Uncharted 2, where I can't really, Modern Warfare 3 can't hold a candle to much of what Uncharted 2 has going on. And when you want to talk about multiplayer, Yes, the campaign for Uncharted 2 just blows the one for Modern Warfare 3 out of the water, but even the multiplayer in Uncharted 2, I dug that a lot. I played that for a really long time. Um, Modern Warfare 3 is the same, but like I said, that campaign's a weak spot comparatively. So Uncharted 2 is going to win this one battle, 288. Battle number 289, Fallout 3 versus Modern Warfare 3. I think there's another case where it's about that iconicness where Fallout 3. Yes, I have issues with its gameplay. It's, it doesn't play well as a shooter. Um, and it's very janky and you can feel its age. It's just, it does not age well at all. But just that aesthetic of that universe, man, that old timey aesthetic with the, with the post nuclear wasteland, with, um, the weird alternate future stuff uh it's just a lot of different twists and turns of a universe just stacked on top of each other and this was my first introduction into that universe despite it being the third game so yeah I think Fallout 3 has to win this one uh yeah it has a lot of faults when it comes to the gameplay none of those faults Call of Duty has I I don't think there's a single fault with the gameplay of uh Modern Warfare 3 but Fallout 3 just has a lot more unique aspects you know characters and even certain quests uh I always think about the I think it's Not Wisteria Lane, Tranquility Lane. That whole sequence just blew me the fuck away back in the day. So, yeah, Fallout 3 is going to win this one. Battle number 290, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End versus Modern Warfare 3. Hot damn. Um, mm, These are both kind of conclusions to the respective series uh, where Modern Warfare 3 gets wrapped up with this game or Modern Warfare, the sub series gets wrapped up in this game. And Uncharted 4, of course, ends with A deep End. Um, I guess you could think of Lost Legacy as a little bit of a uh, prologue. um, Or I guess epilogue, if it's after. Um, But yeah, I really dig Uncharted 4. Uh, This is another case where the endings are going to come into play. Where, yes, the multiplayer in Modern Warfare, I played a lot more than Uncharted 4. So it has it on that front. But Uncharted 4, dude... That ending, that payoff is just so gratifying. And, or Modern Warfare 3, that, that, that feels gratifying in a way that you're like, ah, oh, finally, the mission has been completed. Uncharted 4, now you feel like the, a sub well it's also like another oh the mission's finally been completed but you never knew it was going to be a mission in the first place like you thought the mission had one result at the end of the game and then there was another chapter at the end of uncharted 4 and if you played the game you know what i'm talking about where the camera turns around and you realize oh this is this mission went more successfully than i could have ever thought (laughs) and that's how i felt playing that game So I think just because of that alone, we have to vote for Uncharted 4 here. And yes, I've talked about my problems with Uncharted 4, where I feel it's just a little bit too long and, you know, some of those sections just stretch out a little bit too far. But overall, man, Uncharted 4 goes really fucking hard. And we're going to vote for it here. Battle 290 goes to Uncharted 4. Battle number 291, Assassin's Creed Syndicate versus Modern Warfare 3, gee willikers. I like Syndicate a lot. We've talked about the characters, we've talked about the little uh, special execution moves you can do in stealth, um, and that Batman Arkham style type combat and some of the grappling hook technology kind of reminds me of Arkham as well. A lot of Arkham DNA is in AC Syndicate, uh, and I love all that stuff, but, mm, it's gonna be real hard to pick one between these two. I say that, but like, it's probably not that hard. Uh, I think we're going to go with Modern Warfare 3 here, uh, just because the multiplayer, I'm thinking about faults here, because both of these games I like a lot clearly, like we're clearly in the upper section of this list, but Syndicate, for as much as I like the combat and all the other aspects I've said, it does have some weird things, like the whole, World War, once you like time travel to Like a world war two section of the map and you're playing as a completely different character I didn't understand any of that and plus some of that gameplay was kind of annoying by that point So that whole section of the game didn't I didn't understand why it was there. It didn't make sense to me um, Not every single mission in syndicate was a banger, I guess, just in retrospect, thinking about it. I'm sure there were some down points where, in Modern Warfare 3, I'm sure there were some down points too, but it just felt like candy. Like it was such a short campaign. Like I said, I beat it in a day. When I say a day, I beat this thing in like six hours. Like I just sat there nonstop, maybe even less than that, maybe closer to four or five. But um, yeah, I just beat it nonstop, just playing it, just absorbed it as soon as I got it. And because I was trying to get through it so I could spend the rest of my entire Christmas break on Shadow of the Colossus, which I also got that year um, for Christmas. But I feel like because of its brevity, Modern Warfare 3 just felt better the entire time. Where Assassin's Creed Syndicate, I do remember slight frustrations like the parkour system, especially when you're crossing the boats over there on the river. Um, the parkour system is really fluid and really fun, but it can be frustrating if you're trying to be precise with it. And I remember certain times where I was trying to be precise with the parkour and syndicate, and it was kind of frustrating me a little bit where modern warfare three, I don't remember anything in that game except for the good parts. So the ending, um, and the really surprising nature of that ending. Cause I remember it came, it's a really gratifying ending where you just like go in there and fuck shit up, but it comes right after a really down moment in the story and you don't expect it to come back with such bravado Uh, right after that so i think because of that and of course the multiplayer is great in modern warfare 3 we already talked about that um so yeah i'm gonna vote for it over assassin's creed syndicate i still got respect for you syndicate but i feel like this is the this is the pick i was supposed to make so we're gonna go ahead and click it here battle number 292 assassin's creed syndicate versus steamworld dig 2 uh yeesh i think we're gonna go with steamworld dig 2 mainly because i really dig I just dig the abilities that they give you in that game, and by the end of the game you can grapple hook anywhere you need to, you can jetpack anywhere you need to. Just the mobility in that game is so great. Despite being in a 2D plane, which usually isn't a deal breaker for me, but I don't think of many of my favorite games being in that two-dimensional plane. Um, but despite being that it does have a incredibly fluid movement system for me. And I really liked how that progression just led you to just being a movement God by the end of it. Uh, I really did that. Uh, and plus it was a lot shorter than a syndicate. I don't want to just judge these games off of length because then that's not going to be too fair, but I think we're going to go ahead and go for steam world dig Two. steam world dig 2 I'm feeling confident in uh syndicate i think you're gonna get your props later but i think it's appropriate that you're gonna be a little bit lower down it would have been kind of wild if you were anywhere near the top 10 um but steamworld dig 2 i can see that i could see that in there between you know 10 and 20 so we're gonna go ahead and vote for steamworld dig 2 battle number 293 assassin's creed syndicate versus static Uh, I think I'm going to vote for Static here, just because Assassin's Creed Syndicate, for as great as it is, for as fun as it is, it definitely felt like a by-the-numbers game. In the same way where Modern Warfare 3, I talked about how the multiplayer in that felt kind of generic because it's building on top of the base of the prior two games, and you could very easily see how it was. Uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, you could very easily see how it was building, not just on the base of the previous games, you know, uh, I didn't play Unity. Uh, But I did play like Black Flag, it was borrowing a little bit of stuff from that, Um, and even, you know, go back a little bit further, it it kind of gave me vibes of uh, Brotherhood, uh, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, uh, which I did play quite a bit of, I don't think I beat it though. And um, you could definitely see, you could see the things that were holdovers from older games in Assassin's Creed Syndicate, where static just feels like a wholly original, wholly unique concept. That was executed damn near flawlessly, in my opinion. And my only problem with Static is that it was too short, (laughs) which I just complimented SteamWorld Dig 2 for being, you know, being brief so I can get through it in a reasonable amount of time. But when you love a game as much as I love Static, it's really disappointing to see it wrap up so soon. Uh, So yeah, Static, I think I'm gonna vote for just because just the perspective stuff it does and just the way it does puzzles I think is super innovative so static is going to win this one battle 293 battle 294 assassin's creed syndicate versus call of duty world war ii i think this one i think syndicate's going to win this one because call of duty world war ii i've talked about the multiplayer i think the multiplayer is the absolute most rewarding call of duty game i've ever played and i've played all of them uh I've played all the multiplayers since probably Modern Warfare 2 and then going forward, but I've played all the campaigns and all of them except for uh, anything before Modern Warfare uh, 2008 is what I'll say, Um, but in any case, yeah, the the camp, not the campaign, the multiplayer in World War 2. Is super rewarding. They give you plenty of credits to buy all of the different items that they have in their shop. Because, of course, they had microtransactions in a lot of these Call of Duty games, but they gave you a lot of currency in World War II to go earn your own loot boxes, earn a lot of the content for free. Uh, it didn't put too many gates up to stop you from being able to earn almost all of the content in the game without paying a single cent. And I really did appreciate that. Now, the campaign, (laughs) the campaign in in World War Two was really, really just bad. Um, And it's not even that it was like poorly made or anything. It was just dull. It was just super dull, super obvious tropes of the classic World War Two stuff. You know, you got your one Your one military brother who's also a Jew. So when the Nazis capture him, he gets put into a concentration camp and all that stuff. And I actually thought that was pretty cool for a Call of Duty game to tackle concentration camps. But they got so close without going all the way, you know, like in like in Wolfenstein one, you literally go to a concentration camp in that game. In Call of Duty World War Two, you barely see Oh, this is going to feel like a weird nitpick, but like you don't get to confront actual concentration camps because by the time you go and rescue your friend the war is already won and germany's pretty much packing it all up and the concentration camp is all but like completely gone and you barely get to see any of that type of internal struggle because games really do not like to touch games really don't like to touch the more taboo stuff like even stuff in war they try they show you like the violent stuff but they don't show you like the the atrocity type stuff you don't see too much of that like Uh, Modern Warfare 2 did have that airport scene, but that was more just like a shock thing. It didn't feel like an authentic thing. But the tone of World War 2, I really felt like if they went into those deeper, darker aspects of that war, that historic war that everyone knows about. It would have been, even if it wasn't done super tastefully, it would have been interesting to see their take on this stuff, but they stop right before it and just don't let you see any of the really bad shit. You just got to know, oh yeah, you've seen pictures of the Holocaust. You know how shit was. That's what happened to this character right before you save him. And then when you save him, that's why he's so thankful. It's like all that stuff's unspoken. So that kind of frustrated me. And plus it's just super linear and not a lot of gameplay variety, just world war ii's campaign is just not worth revisiting um or visiting in the first place if you're not a big call of duty fan so yeah syndicate i'm gonna go with for that one just because the characters stick out more to me uh gameplay wise i think is syndicate's way more fun on a more consistent basis than world war ii definitely and um yeah despite there not being some crazy multiplayer component like world war ii had I think Syndicate just holds up more overall as a package because that campaign in Call of Duty really dampers the spirit for me. So yeah, battle number 294 goes to Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Battle number 295 at 62% sorted, Assassin's Creed 2 versus Call of Duty World War 2. And I think we're going to go ahead and hit Assassin's Creed 2 here Um, because I really dig how they brought some of those uh abstergo type stuff into the actual game because for the longest time in the assassin's creed franchise even still now um that that stuff from the present day doesn't really make itself known directly in the actual story of the historical characters but i like how in assassin's creed 2 they were you straight up had an apple of eden and were taking dudes out with it um it was very cool to see stuff like that in assassin's creed 2. Um, to see them just kind of cross those worlds finally um, and I say finally like I played the first game but it was just really cool to see them do that if I feel like I'm saying finally because they don't do that too much in the recent more current games that I've played at least um, but yeah Assassin's Creed 2 I really like it. I think I'm gonna have to get it because the combat was really fun as well. It, it was mainly just a counter fest, but I did like the combat in Assassin's Creed 2. And plus those little uh tombs to unlock Altier's uh armor set. I really love those tombs where it's all about climbing and it just focuses on the platforming and traversal. I really like that that focus and I think some of the the parkour was some was at it one of its highest peaks in Assassin's Creed 2. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for Assassin's Creed 2 here. Uh, that campaign in World War 2 still dampers me. So I'm going to have to vote for AC 2. Battle number 296, Rise of the Tomb Raider versus Call of Duty World War 2. I think Rise of the Tomb Raider is going to get this one. I really dig the bomb ba- mm Actually, I said that way too quickly. Let me think about this just for a second. Because when it comes down to it, Call of Duty World War 2 the multiplayer was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that multiplayer. And yeah, it's a comfort food game as well and it does feel familiar by way of it being a Call of Duty game like you can definitely feel the the aspects of the sledgehammer version of the Call of Duty engine. Um so you, you know, same thing as Advanced Warfare. Um I could definitely feel a lot of the gameplay quirks of that engine in this game. But that didn't really put a damper on the game for me. Uh, I still enjoyed myself. And it was super rewarding. That's the thing I keep coming back to. I really, really enjoyed coming back to World War II's multiplayer. Because it felt rewarding and it also didn't feel crazy. Like the thing about it, like take games like... Like the Black Ops series. People love Treyarch's uh, takes on the Call of Duty franchise because they tend to make the most balanced multiplayers. Like Black Ops 2, super duper balanced. Black Ops 3, super duper balanced. Black Ops 1, super balanced. A lot of these games are some of the most balanced multiplayer games in the series. But when it comes to... Like I remember starting to see it in Black Ops 2 where they kind of... By making everything balanced, they kind of took the excitement out of some aspects of the gameplay, where a lot of the guns felt very similar to one another because they all had to be balanced to one another. Same thing for a lot of the killstreaks, for a lot of the abilities in Black Ops 3. Black Ops 3 felt very samey for a lot of the guns and stuff, and so it kind of just took out a lot of that aspect. Well, World World War II also had that similar feel of everything being homogenized because you're trying to get that balance straight, but all the guns still had personality. You still had guns that had uh, different quirks to using them that I really enjoyed. And plus there were a lot less random elements where a lot in the black ops games and in a lot of the modern futuristic games, um, they got these crazy technologies and these crazy gadgets and these crazy killstreaks that just do all this stuff that you aren't expecting and kill you in one hit. Most of the time where what World War II, because this, the time has been, mm-hmm. you know, taken back. Oh my God, do not, Oh my god. Sorry, I just got a Twitter DM, so I'm gonna have to look at that later. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, the, the multiplayer of World War II still felt unique. It still felt like it had aspects, and because of the time period, it didn't feel like you were getting killed by all these crazy different gadgets and weapons. You, you could predict your, your threats more easily in World War II, and I really appreciate that. Um, Rise of the Tomb Raider really cool set pieces that narrative the narrative isn't like offensively bad at all it's just not why i play that game like that narrative is super forgettable and just i don't want to even say generic because it's not like other games per se it's just not special and you could tell that's like one of the aspects of the game they tried the least in But I do remember there were a lot of really cool encounters in Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, That that one encounter where you go into the ice and you're popping out of different ice holes to take out an entire room. I absolutely adored that. I thought that was super cool. Um, And some other set pieces and stuff in Rise of the Tomb Raider were super impressive. Uh, Of course, the RPG elements I really dug, Uh, but what else can I say outside of that? I think what it comes down to is for as much as I love that multiplayer in World War II, the campaign was, I don't know what to say, that campaign just hit me a little bit harder in Rise of the Tomb Raider where even even some of the characters that had their lives threatened towards the end of the game, uh, I did feel a little bit more for those characters than I did in Call of Duty, because Call of Duty, they're just all cardboard cutouts of whatever soldier. Rise of the Tomb Raider they at least felt like, you know, specific people. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and vote for Rise of the Tomb Raider here. Kind of doing dirty for World War II, but I think this is justified. Rise of the Tomb Raider impresses me more overall as a package. Battle 297, Borderlands vs. Call of Duty World War II, wow, this one's difficult, uh, Borderlands I really like, I think the thing I love about Borderlands, because narratively, I don't even remember much of the narrative of Borderlands to even have too much of a strong opinion on it, but I do like the guns in Borderlands, like, I really love that loot system, and the permutations of the loot didn't explode quite yet. So there was still a little bit of consistency between feel of every type of gun, where all the assault rifles, they all felt kind of different, but they were, they still felt the same, if you know what I mean. Like they all had like, like they all, like if you think about the Borderlands looting system, like the, the way that they create their loot and their randomized guns and everything. They all have like probably, I feel like in Borderlands 1, there's probably 50 different knobs and each of those knobs are turned in a different setting to shoot out a gun. And I feel like there were only about 50 different knobs to where you could still, whenever you pick up an assault rifle, it's like, oh, this one's automatic. Oh, this one's a burst rifle. Oh, this is a two burst rifle. Oh, this is a three burst rifle. Oh, this is a single shot rifle. Oh, this one has a scope. This one has a two times scope, three times, four times, five times. This one has no scope. This one, you know, it had those different permutations, but it's still, every single one of them still felt like an assault rifle with, with a consistent way of handling. And that's what I like about Borderlands 1, where in Borderlands 2, instead of it just being 50 knobs, it felt like there were 500 knobs now. And now, oh yeah, this is an LMG? Okay, this LMG has a different animation when it shoots. It, like, opens up in a flower, and it's gonna have a 100-round magazine, but every time you get hit, you lose, like, two rounds of of magazine. Or just, like, random quirks like that. There were a lot of different random quirks with the guns that just... There were enough of them in the loot pool to where you couldn't feel like picking up a gun was gonna feel consistent Compared to the last time you fired a gun. It just made everything feel a little bit more Uncertain when you're looting you didn't know if you were even if the stats said it was the best gun in the game and blah 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 It didn't always feel like the best gun in the game and Borderlands was a little bit more consistent in that route So I I like Borderlands 1 a lot but compared to World War 2 ah the narrative here's the thing narrative in world war ii at least had potential with the narrative in borderlands 1 i couldn't i couldn't tell you jack shit about what happened in borderlands One. i barely remember any of that game but gameplay wise was super solid so i mm, i could at least tell you some things in world war ii because there were things that happened that were specific but mm, i think we're gonna have to go with world war ii Nah, I, Borderlands, I like Borderlands more because I like the world of Borderlands, even though if I don't care what the narrative, especially in Borderlands 2, it really brought it around for I like the story in Borderlands 2 a whole lot where Borderlands 1, that story just barely feels like it's there, almost like an MMO story, like an old MMO where it's just characters sitting at a auction board just waiting for you to pop up. Um, ooh, get a Google smart home speaker for $29. I might look at that deal later, but I'm gonna get off of Twitter. Um, Anyway, I think I'm gonna vote for Borderlands here just because the pure iconography of that franchise sticks with me a lot more. And I love the combat in that game enough to where I feel safe voting for it. But yeah, Call of Duty World War II, I think that multiplayer slaps a little bit harder, but I wouldn't feel good if Borderlands was... If a, if both of the Borderlands games combined were below Call of Duty World War II, I wouldn't feel good about myself. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for Borderlands here. Battle number 298, Whew, Saints Row 4 versus Walking Dead Season 1. God damn, man. Now this is going to be hard because now we're getting into it because Saints Row 4 for a while was sitting there in the middle of the pack, not really interfering with any of my top tier games. Now, now, last or Last of Us. Oh my God! The Walking Dead season one is a top tier game for me. That's one of my favorite games of all time. But going up against Saints Row Four. Oh man! I think what we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to have that talk, man. We're gonna have that. We're gonna have to have that talk right now. I know I love Saints Row Four. I know I love all those characters. I know I love the tone. I know I love the gameplay, the combat, the open world exploration. I know I love the traversal system. But when it comes down to it, dude, when it comes down to it, Clementine is my favorite character in any video game. The Walking Dead season one story impacted me more than almost any other narrative in any other video game. That game helps define my personality. Walking Dead season one helps define my personality. Where Saints Row 4 feels like it was a game made in a lab for my enjoyment, and I do enjoy almost every drop of that game, but it feels sterilized, not sterilized. I don't even want to say that because it doesn't feel sterilized. It's more that The Walking Dead season one, mm, how do I say this? We'll say it like this. The Walking Dead season one feels like some really good home cooking. Like you went to the, you back when we didn't have quarantine, it feel like you went to the cookout and all your aunties just threw down in the kitchen and you're eating that plate full of a bunch of different things and it just hits perfectly that's what the walking dead season one feels like like that's that the food that hits you in the soul that's what walking dead season one is where saints row four feels like a really good visit to chili's (laughs) like if you i've had some bad times at chili's and other restaurants too but saints row four is like you go to chili's and everything's hitting man the 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 pot stickers is hitting the the mozzarella sticks is hitting you get the chicken pasta or whatever all of that's hitting it's hitting best better than it ever has before that's what Saints Row 4 feels like it feels like a very it feels like a meal that was made for you to like rather than someone putting their heart and soul into it like Saints Row Four feels like it was made in a lab, where The Walking Dead feels like it was made by hand. You know what I mean? And I, because of that, I love Saints Row Four so much, but I can't in good I can't in good conscience knowing all that The Walking Dead season one means to me, I can't in good conscience vote for Saints Row Four right here. So we're gonna fuck up this sorting really hard right now. And I already know the outcome. I know what one of the outcomes won't be in the top of the list now by making this choice. But I have to follow my heart. Walking Dead Season 1 wins over Saints Row 4. Have mercy on my soul. (laughs) So let's go ahead and click it. Battle number 299, Saints Row 4 versus Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, shit. Um, Oh, I think we're going to have to do this again. Saints Row 4, I love, ooh, actually, actually, actually. Red Dead Redemption 2, we've talked about how much that narrative impacted me and how much I love Arthur Morgan and a lot of those characters and how immaculate the game is in its detail, in its gameplay systems, in its length. Um, But I will say that's the issue that I have with Red Dead Redemption 2. Similar to God of War 2018, it, it overstayed his welcome, but in the case of God of War 2018, or really in the case of both of these, but it just happened differently, they have so much content in there to where if you just want to play the single player campaign, there's a lot of stuff that's around it that you feel like you would be a fool to miss out on. Um, In the case of Red Dead 2, since that's what we're talking about, it just felt it felt ridiculous to not go or, go out and explore, to see all these random citizens, to see what random side quests you can get yourself into, uh, to see the needs of all the people at your camp, to do all of their side missions, to go fishing and bring back food for the camp, to bring back meat for the camp while, when hunting. It, it felt like you should be engaging in all those systems, but doing so extended the length of the game so much. I, I think I said this before and I'll say it again. Just to get to credits in Red Dead Redemption 2 took almost a hundred hours, maybe more. Like I played that game for a very, very long time. Way longer than I ever expected to. And I had I, I was having a great time the whole time. But when you get to that whole section after after the first ending, I'll say, which should be obvious to those of you who played the game. When you get into that section after the first ending. A lot of that felt so drawn out because I was ready for the game to be over because I had played so much up until that point. Where Saints Row 4 felt like all of that, yes it was a lot of content, but looking back at it, I only played that game and completed everything there was to do in about 30 hours. And there's a trophy for playing that game for 40 hours, I had to just let my system sit there for 10 hours (laughs) because I had done everything. Um, and that isn't a fault, it's just actually I'm looking at that as a strength for Saints Row 4, where I got through all that game, saw all the character moments, collected all the collectibles, upgraded everything I wanted, and I got to get out of there in a reasonable amount of time. Where Saints or Red Dead Redemption 2, I can't say that. So I think because of that. Uh, gee Willikers, Saints Row 4. God, voting for Saints Row 4 over Red Dead Redemption 2 feels fucking crazy. It feels so fucking crazy to do that. And I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. Um God damn it, man. God damn it, man. Saints Row 4 versus Red Dead Redemption 2. In the case of Saints Row 4 <laughs> versus Red Dead Redemption 2, I, Emmett Watkins Jr., hereby decree... Fuck! Hereby decree... I can't, oh man, I love Saints Row 4 so much, but I can't do it, I can't do it, I know it's so long, I know it's so tedious, Ugh. oh fuck, here's the thing about Saints Row 4, I, I like that narrative, I like the characters, but the narrative is whatever, like I don't care what they're doing, I just like that they're doing it, when Red Dead Redemption 2, I like what they're doing, and I like that it's those characters doing it. But the gameplay in Saints Row 4 is so strong, but uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 is just so impactful. You know what? Red Dead Redemption 2 it is. I'm sorry. We have to do it. I feel so bad, because I talk about Saints Row 4 all the time, but Red Dead Redemption 2 has to get this one, so let's vote for it. Right now. Ah, Shit! That felt bad. Uh, At least we got to another percentage of sorting. Um, how long have we been going? Wow, we're on, we're almost an hour in, and I'm only at sixty three percent sorted. God damn it! I'll go ahead and say, I'll I'll admit this right now. I'm recording this super late at home, and when you want to know how late, it's seven eleven in the morning. I started this at like six a.m. That's how long I've been up. Now I will say I'm doing this because yesterday morning, or not morning. Yesterday I woke up at uh, four four p.m. And I did not like that. So I said, okay, let me reset my sleeping schedule. So I am doing that right now <laughs> by staying up entirely too late, uh, going to sleep for maybe an hour or two before work, and then being super tired when I get home from work and going straight to bed. So that's the plan. That's what I'm sticking to. And this is the battle number 300. <laughs> number 300, uh, 63% sorted, Saints Row 4 versus Red Dead Redemption. Um, hmm. You know what, this one, I'm safe. This one, I feel good hitting Saints Row 4. Um, Red Dead Redemption 1 is a great game, of course, you know, the narrative's great, uh, those endings impact with me as well, but gameplay-wise, I feel I feel for all the faults, actually, Red Dead Redemption doesn't have too many gameplay faults. It's, it's a great game. I have nothing really negative to say about Red Dead Redemption, but the gameplay in Saints Row 4 is just so much more strong. Um, where I feel the crave, like I said, it's about personal, what did I say, personal energy, like I have more energy for Saints Row 4 right now than I do Red Dead Redemption, and I think because of that, I'm going to have to vote for Saints Row 4, Uh, I love Red Dead Redemption, and I played a lot of that multiplayer as well, but when it comes down to it, I think Saints Row 4, I just enjoyed overall more. Red Dead Redemption probably impressed me more at the time, but you want to talk about enjoyment only, I think Saints Row 4 is going to hit it. So yeah, Saints Row 4 is going to hit this one. Battle number 301, Jackbox Party Pack 3 versus Red Dead Redemption. Gee willikers, I've already talked about Jackbox Party Pack 3. Every game on there with the exception of Gespionage, which I just don't play. Not that I think it's bad, but I just don't play Gespionage. Um, every game on there except that is a banger, is one of my favorite games of all time. Um God, you wow oh man, this is gonna be real tough. You got your Quiplash on there, got your TKO. God, you got your faking it, faking it is a fucking classic. Oh man. Uh, I think for the sheer amount of parties and personal moments with friends that Jackbox has given me as many of those great memories it's given me I think I have to vote for it here feels wild to vote for a fucking party game over Red Dead Redemption but I think that's what it's coming down to I love Red Dead Redemption still but man they're making me pick pick some hard ones because the thing I keep thinking about Red Dead Redemption for all the stuff I love about it I can remember the lulls in the story. I can remember where things felt aimless. I can remember where things felt like, okay, I'm just shooting more people. All right, this, this mission is just whatever. Like, I can remember those times. But Jackbox Party Pack 3, every memory I have with that is positive. So we're going to vote for that. Um, battle number 301 goes to Jackbox Party Pack 3. Oh, shit. Here we go. Battle number 302, Gears 5 versus Red Dead Redemption. Oh, Fuck. I love Gears 5, I love Red Dead Redemption, Ugh. the endings of both kind of fucked me up hardly, or hardly, they fucked me up a lot, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Um, the ending was were great, graphically Gears 5 is so much more beautiful of course, but that's not fair because Red Dead Redemption came out a long time ago. Uh, mm. Gameplay-wise, Gears 5 had a lot more options gameplay-wise, which I did appreciate. Red Dead Redemption, oh man. I think I'm gonna have to vote for Red Dead Redemption here, because for as great as I think Gears 5 is, and artistically I think Gears 5 has an edge on Red Dead Redemption as well, but Red Dead Redemption, that narrative, for all the lulls that it does have, that narrative is so much more impactful to me. And Gears 5 definitely pulled at my heartstrings a lot as well but overall i uh, i think the overall pack the overall narrative of red dead redemption attracts me more where gears 5 as a package is probably more appealing but the narrative in red dead redemption just is so so iconic so great to me i have to vote for it so red dead redemption is going to win this one battle 302 goes to red dead battle 303 Gears 5 versus God of War 3. Oh shit. So, GOW versus GOW, pretty much. Um, hmm. Gosh darn it. How's this gonna work? See, I'm doing that tired thing where I'm pulling up fucking Tweet Deck. You know what? I'm closing this Tweet Deck tab. I don't need to look at Twitter right now. That way I won't get distracted or drows off or whatever. Um, Gears 5 versus God of War 3. Oh my god. God of War 3 was a ride. I really enjoyed the ride that was God of War 3. It had a lot of ups and downs, but it was the... Oh, man. I think I know what I'm going to vote for. I think it's going to be Gears 5 here, and here's why. God of War 3, I love that game, and it has a lot of high points and low points, but... The low points, I don't remember. Like, the low points don't stick with you. It's the high points, it's the exciting set pieces, it's the, you know, boss battles, it's the combat, in, the combat encounters. It's Those are the high points of God of War 3. The low points are, oh, I'm just walking in another hallway, oh, I'm just doing another trivial puzzle. I don't remember those in God of War 3 as much. In Gears of War 5, even the slow moments, even the the lower key moments, I have a really good fondness for. Like I really liked the pace of that campaign. And I liked how even in the lesser moments you're still getting character development, you're still getting things that speak to these the either these characters or to the world as a whole. And I really love that about Gears 5. Um And I think I'm gonna have to vote for Gears 5 because of it. I love God of War 3, but it is admittedly a more shallow experience when compared to Gears of War 5. So yeah, Gears Five is gonna win this one. Never, oh my God! If if old if young Emmett could see me now voting for a fucking Microsoft game over a Sony game, I never would have expected it. But that's how I feel. Gears Five, it is. Battle number three hundred four: Little Big Planet Two versus Gears of War Three. Oh my God! Little Big Planet Two really made its way up there, huh? I love the ride that it's Gears of War Three. Gears of War, my God! God of War Three. God, I really shouldn't have started recording this this late. (laughs) Um, We'll see. I might do a thing and like pause it and then record some more after I nap or something. Um, We'll see. We'll see if I want to do that to y'all in the listening experience. Um, Because I'm definitely not starting this over again. Um, But yeah, battle number 304 Little Big Planet 2 versus God of War 3. Ah. I think what it comes down to is God of War 3 was a more impressive ride, and the beat for beat points that I do remember, the exciting parts of God of War 3, those really did blow me away. Where Little Big Planet 2 was just, oh, that's cute, oh, that's cute, oh, that's cute, just over and over again. Like, as far as the highs and lows of that campaign, they don't really stick with me. It's just the overall sense of Little Bit Planet 2 just being very adorable, very endearing, and just having a very charming narrative. But what that narrative consists of, I couldn't tell you right now because it just didn't stick out to me that much. Where God of War 3, those set pieces, you know, the the fight with Poseidon and, you know, fighting Gaia and fighting Kronos, like a lot of those fights really, really stick with me. So God of War 3 is going to have to win this one. All due respect to Little Big Planet 2, but God of War 3 is taking this one home. Battle number 305 Little Big Planet 2 versus Tearaway. Now, I'm gonna vote for Tearaway here, uh, Little big Planet 2 I think, besides all the things I said about its campaign, the fact that you could make all those levels and the fact that I played a lot of those levels growing up in LittleBigPlanet 2, that's a really big factor, so I appreciate it for that, but Tearaway, even if it is just a single player campaign, that single player campaign affected me emotionally so much more than the one in LittleBigPlanet 2. That despite the user generated levels, I have to vote for Tearaway here. So, battle number 305 with 63% sorted, it's gonna go to Tearaway. Battle number 306, Little Big Planet 2 versus Far Cry 3. Huh. I feel this is gonna go to Far Cry 3. Yeah, it is gonna go to Far Cry 3. Um, because it just exploration in that world was fun, but really it's just about that outpost clearing, like clearing outposts in Far Cry 3 is one of the most satisfying feelings I've had in any shooter at least, if not any video game. Um, Just having that option for stealth or going loud and having them both be fairly rewarded in a similar fashion, actually that's a lie, stealth was way more rewarded than guns a-blazing, but I still enjoyed it, Um, Far Cry 3 is a great game, and even if the narrative isn't that great to me, it still has some cool moments, some cool characters, a really weird ending that was notable. Um, but yeah, I think Far Cry 3 is going to win this one. Little Big Planet 2, I've already talked about the things I like about it, but Far Cry 3 is going to win this match. Number 306 goes to Far Cry 3. 307 at 64% sorted. Little Big Planet 2 versus God of War 2018. Wow. Um See, the pettiness in me wants to go for Little Big Planet 2. But I'm really trying to reevaluate how I feel about God of War 2018, where yes, I still don't like all of just the slowness of Kratos and just the backtracking that they incentivize and all that stuff I still do not like. I still have a big problem with that game for those reasons. But I really did enjoy most of the combat, I really did enjoy most of the set pieces, most of the narrative, most of the characters. There was a lot in that game that I still liked despite that really big caveat of it being tedious to platinum and just tedious in the end game in general to play. Um, I'm really starting to think that, you know, God of War 2018 isn't horrible. Like it, it was never horrible. I never even thought it was horrible. Even at my lowest points with it, I never thought it was horrible. um, I have the platinum in the game for Christ's sake. But um, Little Big Planet two, I really love that. It I love that aesthetic. I love that world. I I love everything about Little Big Planet two. Probably more than I like playing the actual game. Where God of War had very engaging gameplay, even if I did have some issues with it. um, Mmm. Here's the thing though, I think about the hardest fights in God of War, and beating those fights should have felt like I should have felt triumphant. I should have felt excited. I should have felt hype. Where beating a lot of the fights in God of War felt like, thank fucking God. It felt like I was over it, you know? Like by the time I finally beat some of these Valkyries, it was like, thank God, I'm done with this shit. It was like it felt like homework more than it felt like a joyous thing that I overcame. Um where in Little Big Planet 2 I was, I enjoyed the gameplay. So it's not that I enjoyed it, it's that I was fine with it. I didn't have any complaints with the floaty platforming controls of Little Big Client 2. I know a lot of people don't like those floaty controls, but I never really had a big issue with it. So, you know, I, I was totally fine with it as long as it let me experience this cute world and these cute characters. Um, Jeez, what am I going to pick though? I think I have to vote... Uh, I don't want to vote for God of War. God of War feels like the one I should vote for right now, but I don't want to, man. It's not even that it feels cliche or anything, my heart's just not in it. Little Big Planet 2 I really dug. Here's the thing, I, I want to say I love that campaign because I remember saying, oh the campaign was great, it reminded me of a Pixar movie, blah blah blah, but now I'm really getting scrutinized on that point. For how much I love that campaign, because I don't remember a lick of this campaign right now. And I don't know if it's because I'm recording so late that it's morning, but I none of that's coming to mind. Of course, the Sleepyhead song was great, but. Ugh. Like, I want to vote for Little Big Planet 2, partially to spite God of War, but also, I feel like I just want to do that, but I don't have too much of a leg to stand on when you say, okay, why do you like it so much? I don't have too much to say when it comes to that campaign. When God of War, I can at least say the good parts about it, even though I had a lot of issues. Um I think because of that, I'm gonna go with God of War here, which feels blasphemous, but at least is above it, so I'm happy. So we're gonna go for God of War 2018 here. Oh boy, I'm so sorry, little big planet, but we gotta do it. Battle 307 goes to God of War. Alright. 308 Little Big Planet versus Gone Home. Huh. I think Little Big Planet can get this one. I love Gone Home. I love that narrative and I love, you know, the I guess the progressive story that it tells and the way in it the way in which it's told is a pretty unique thing for me at least. Um but Little Big Planet 2, that world, those characters, all that stuff resonates with me so much more and I love it because of it. So, yeah, Little Big Planet 2 is going to win this one. Battle 308, Little Big Planet 2. Battle 309 Red Faction Gorilla versus Gone Home. Ha. Huh. Okay, I think I'm going to have to vote for Red Faction Gorilla just because I like that combat more. It's not even the combat, it's just like the destruction tech. Like I think that that destruction tech is not only still impressive but still super satisfying. Like just destroying a building in Red Faction Gorilla in Red Faction Gorilla is more satisfying than picking up any of the objects, finding any of the plot revelations, any of that stuff in Gone Home. Where Gone Home has a fantastic narrative and blows the one in Red Faction out the water, of course, but I just love blowing shit up, man. And Gorilla is one of the best places to blow shit up. So I think I'm gonna have to vote for that one. Gone Home, I feel like you're about to get done dirty a little bit, but understand we will come back for you and we will do right by you in the future. So yeah, Red Faction Gorilla is gonna win battle 309. Battle 310, Fat Princess versus Gone Home, and now we go for Gone Home, where as much as I think Fat Princess is a unique blend of gameplay styles and art styles and all that other stuff, uh, Gone Home, that story did impact me pretty hard back when I played it, Um, and especially thanks to the fact that I had no clue what it was about, no context, all of the twists and turns really impacted me, so Gone Home's going to win this one. Fat Princess, I love you, but Gone Home, it's a no-brainer here. Number 311, Fat Princess versus Resistance 3. Um, Another no-brainer, Resistance 3, the pinnacle of that series, the pinnacle of probably one of Insomniac's best games just in general. And uh, I love that combat, love the characters, love the narrative it told, love the just the unique colors and stuff. Like I really like how they use the temperature of the color wheel and all that good stuff. I don't know much about environmental design, so it sounds like I know a lot or it doesn't sound like I know a lot because I was using buzzwords, but I really like how they use colors in Resistance 3, and I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, there's a lot that I love about Resistance 3. Of course, the gunplay is super fun as well. Resistance 3 is going to win this one. Fat Princess, I love and appreciate you, but Resistance 3 has to take this W real quick. Battle number 312, Fat Princess versus Metro Last Light. Oh, shit. Um, God. Fat Princess versus Metro Last Light. Fat Princess is a great game. Metro Last Light is also a great game. Really, it comes to the atmosphere and the the aesthetics of each game. Metro Last Light I love because it's a it's a visual tour de force. It, it not just because it's a pretty game graphically, but just that dark environment, that dark aesthetic, and even when the snow comes out, just the way it it's artistic design is on point. But it's on point in a more, because it's realistic, it's not gonna age as well, which we already know, but because it's realistic, it's just, you could you could just take a photograph of real life. We're all trying, in the case of Metro, it's trying to emulate real life, which is never going to do 100% by way of limited technology and real life being real life, and that's what it is. Or Fat Princess is so stylized that its style isn't trying to ape anything else, so it feels more original as far as this art design goes. Um, and of course, tonally, it has that kind of slapstick kind of ultra violent humor that I know might be fun for some fun for not fun for others, but overall, I think fat princess really goes hard. I think it really sticks out and I think it's way more unique than Metro last light for as much as I love Metro last light. I think fat princess is just cooler to think about. And plus the gameplay wise, they have those, uh, those different classes and everything. Um, yeah, I think when it comes right down to it, Fat Princess, I have to vote for. So I'm going to go ahead and vote for Fat Princess here and call it a day, night, whatever it is. Uh, God, it feels weird to do that. We're going to hit Fat Princess right now. Jeez. OK, and we're at 35 percent sorted at on Battle 313. And I'm just going to pause real quick because I'm feeling the energy drain out of me. Because I stayed up all night trying to get this thing sorted. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pause this real quick and I'm going to come back in just a second. We're going to talk about this next matchup here, which should be pretty interesting. Um, So, yeah, give me just one moment. And we are back. Uh, Sorry about that, folks. It took me a little while. It's probably going to be weird for you listening as well, because... You're going to get a big energy change, hopefully, but, um, I'm back better than ever. I'm not recording at freaking six a.m. in the morning anymore. Um, this is right before midnight, but that's a world of difference for me. It is a couple days later and I'm finally able to get back to this with the energy that you guys deserve. So as we were saying, we were on battle 313, 65% sorted. This one's going to be Gears of War 2 versus Metro Last Light. Now, before I continue, let me go ahead and hit record on the video so I don't screw that up for myself again, um, but now that that's going, um, yeah, Gears of War 2 versus Metro Last Light. Um, I've talked often about Gears of War 2. I still love that game. It is, uh, uh, it's hard because honestly, what I'm feeling right now is Metro Last Light just because overall, that game's aesthetic and environmental design and all that stuff, that stuck with me a little bit more than some of the stuff in Gears of War 2. Where Gears of War 2, I think was finally the first game where the first game, Gears of War 1, I was like, all right, this is a pretty fun shooter, but I'm interested to see what else is there. Where Gears of War 2 felt like it was trying the whole time, if you know what I mean. Gears of War 2 felt like, Oh, you're trying to switch it up with different environments, different enemies, different uh, combat encounters. It was trying to keep that variety up uh, pretty often. And I really like the pace of Gears of War 2. Um, and that's why it's on this list, pretty pretty frankly. Um, but overall, when I think back to Gears of War 2, sometimes I feel like it is a little bit same. Not samey, but it is. I mean... It's Gears of War, like, for as much as I love that series, it is fairly generic, um, just by way of it being a cover-based uh, third-person shooter with alien enemies and ultra-violence and, and what, big hulking marines. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely made itself a template to where other games are applying itself to, Or Metro Last Light is also a template, but it's not as widely used. Like you think about the, t- the things that make up Metro Last Light, super dark environments, um, super realistic reloading animations and really kooky, otherworldly looking guns that just have a really strange aesthetic to them. You know, w- weird barrels and weird reloading mechanisms that just are just a little bit off to where you know that that's not something super duper realistic, but is grounded in a way where it makes you think, oh, man, they really had to hobble this together off of uh, scratch materials. And that that aesthetic, that vibe is still seen here and there in other games. Um, I couldn't tell you too many of them, but I just know like I right now I'm thinking Resistance 3, like I definitely think of Resistance 3 and Metro being from the same family as far as tone goes. But Resistance 3 is definitely leaning a lot more into that sci fi slant with the more high tech weaponry and stuff and the aliens themselves developing, you know, these crazy uh technological buildings and structures and stuff where metro last light everything there even the parts of that world that are not completely grounded in human um those more mutant aspects of the world are just mutants added to already existing structures that humans built those are mutants that um are interacting with the world that you already know and established um, where I think that's a little bit more unique. Overall, I just feel like there's more of a unique vibe and more of a unique aesthetic to Metro Last Light, which is why I want to vote for it here. And you know what? I'm going to vote for it here. Metro Last Light. I'm di- I'm digging a little bit more than Gears of War, um, where I love Gears of War 2. I think it's a great game. But 5 is such a better game than it. <laughs> and Gears of War 5 is definitely going to get so much of the accolades for gears of war is definitely going to carry that whole franchise on its back but um i think we're gonna go with that metro last light is gonna win battle 313 for this matchup (laughs) and this should be fun too because now i'm i'm recording this at a different time of day and a different day entirely so maybe you guys will see oh his mood changes throughout the day and maybe he'll pick this one day and pick a different one the next day so we'll, we'll test that theory with this episode maybe but anyway uh battle 314 uh Gears of War 2 versus Dante's Inferno oh boy this one (laughs) ah part of me wants I want to click Dante's Inferno because overall that game I think Dante's Inferno impressed me more than Gears of War 2 but I think that's only because my expectations were much lower for Dante's Inferno because I remember it came out it was mediocrely reviewed it wasn't that high regarded as far as games in general go but once I played it, I was really impressed by its graphical fidelity. It wasn't like the most beautiful game in the world, but it looked really, really fucking good. It wasn't like God of War 3 good, but it was it was getting there. It was definitely getting there. And the fact that they were able to go that far with it and run it at the 60 frames per second on last gen hardware, super duper impressed by that. Um, It was fluid to play. It was fun to play. Very satisfying combat. Uh, the skill trees were a little bit cheap (laughs) i'd say it was definitely it wasn't an inspired kill skill tree it wasn't like god of war where you're funneling blood into these massive orbs that were very in line with the aesthetic and vibe of that franchise it was more like oh you earned xp here's a skill point and xp and skill points doesn't really align itself with the vibe of dante's inferno (laughs) so that kind of went off kilter there. Uh, but I did like how it added more combat options. I did like how it gave you different ways to play the game. Um, even though it did all come down to, you know, press square and triangle a million times until you get them. I did like how you could absolve people or punish them of their sins. Uh, I really liked that gameplay mechanic and some of the visual effects or not even visual effects. Some of the artistic choices with the different ways they portray the different the different deadly sins. I really dug that about Dante's Inferno. But the issue is, do I like it more than Gears of War 2? Now, we always talk about the Maria scene in Gears of War 2. I still think that's super strong, and I still like that scene a lot. Um, and I like the big finale at the end, where you're outside of the helicopter and you, you know, take out that one monster. I really thought that finale was cool. And I like a lot of the boss fights that happen towards the end with the... Uh, really hard to kill enemies that I won't say they're, they're bulletproof. I'll say those bulletproof enemies, which isn't really a spoiler. It's more that I just don't remember their names, but they have the dreads and they're bulletproof. You know, the enemies, if you've played Gears of War two, I really enjoyed those boss fights and I loved how it kind of raised the stakes in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, but overall, what do I like more? Gears of War two feels like it's the, it makes the most sense to choose that one. But Dante's Inferno, I really do like and be thinking about it right now. Once again, this is another trend that has gone on through the series. I notice that games, once they're compared to a different game, I really start thinking about their positives and what makes them really good. Where when that same game is compared to a different game, I start thinking about all the negatives because that other game just has so many more positives that I more instantly think of. Uh, and I think this might be a case in which, God, that's crazy if I do it. Um, I think I have to vote for Dante's Inferno more than Gears of War 2. Gears of War 2 just had really good pacing, but then I think back to it and outside of the Maria scene, outside of a lot of the last final hours, I don't remember too much of it. (laughs) It, it, It's definitely a case of where I think it's just more that gameplay wise, I had a very fun time throughout that whole game. But, like, as far as, like, oh, now they go into this cave, and now this part of the game happens, and this part of the game, and this part of the game. Oh, wait, I think, is Gears of War 2 where they get swallowed by that worm? Because I remember that was really cool. I'm going to look that up real quick. Gears 2 inside the worm. Yeah, Gears of War 2 is where they get swallowed by the worm. That was really neat. I thought that was really cool. Um, Actually, you know what? There might be some really cool shit in Gears of War 2 that I'm just not remembering we're gonna look through here because the Riftworm worm is the level I was just thinking about um are there other god I really don't want to just go down the rabbit hole of just looking at Gears of War 2 stuff uh entering the hive that was cool yeah I I, I really don't want to go too hard on this we're gonna have to just cut it off here Gears of War 2 has some cool stuff Dante's Inferno has some cool stuff. These are very similar games in the fact that it's, all, it's very heavily weighted on the set pieces. It's very heavily weighted on the pace of gameplay. I will say Dante's Inferno kind of fell apart towards the end because it just resorted to combat challenges to pad out the length. And it was like, kill these enemies in this amount of time. And it literally showed like a timer on screen or something like that. So I don't know. It's, it's easy to shit on Dante. Plus, Gears of War 2 actually had emotional impact for me in a way that nothing in Dante's Inferno did. I don't care about Dante. I don't care about any really much of any of the characters in the game. But it was fun to play. And I think because of that, Gears of War 2 was both fun to play. And I cared a little bit about the characters. So really want to spell it out. I think it has to be Gears of War 2. So we're going to go ahead and vote for Gears of War 2. Whew. All right, let's go. Battle number 315. Huh, Battlefield 1 versus Dante's Inferno. I think Battlefield One's going to win this one simply for the fact that I've talked about the aesthetic of that game. Just the whole, the more, I don't know. I've also, I've called it Spielbergian, I guess, kind of like Saving Private ryan the tone that Battlefield 1 has, I really, really dig that. And I really dig how they take that tone and give some more gravity and it gives gravitas to the more uh, lower key stories of World War One that they are telling um, from like the more marginalized voices. I really love that. Um, I think that outrights it because I have complained about Battlefield 1 not being as fully fleshed out as a campaign where sometimes it literally had you capturing objective points like it was a multiplayer map. Um but the wrapper in which they put it was very compelling in a way where the wrapper of Dante's Inferno is very pretty, and very cool, but it's very shallow compared to Battlefield 1. Battlefield 1, that that the wrapper of that game kind of makes me feel something in a way where Dante's Inferno just feels like it feels just like oh, generic action with some minor nudity and ultra violence. Like, let's fucking go. Uh it it is what it is. I like Dante's Inferno, but I think I feel an attachment to Battlefield 1 that I don't feel with Dante's Inferno. So we're going to vote for Battlefield 1 for battle 315. Battle 316. Dante's Inferno versus Battlefield 4. Huh. I'm going to go ahead. G Willickers. G Willickers. Oh my gosh. Um I think I'm going to have to vote for because Battlefield 4 had a absolutely garb... not garbage. I really don't want to shit on these games too much. But I really didn't care for that campaign, and Battlefield 4 did nothing for me. Went right went in, in one ear and out the other. But Dante's Inferno was very... it was much more impactful than that campaign. Now, I'm still thinking about the multiplayer, because that's why 4 is on this list. I did play that multiplayer a whole lot. Uh, plenty of hours. Dozens and dozens, but were any of those matches at the same level hit me at the same amount of impact as Dante's Inferno? Uh, I feel like the flair of Dante's Inferno is really what sticks out here. Because for Battlefield 1, if we think about the multiplayer Battlefield 1, even if that multiplayer wasn't my favorite in the world, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but it's not like at the top tier for me. Even if that's the case, it's still the wrapper that that game has that more that serious military motion picture type tone. It's really hard to, I know the biggest cliche in the world is to compare games to movies, but that's the easiest shorthand there. Um, but it gives that like grandiose tone of like a Saving Private Ryan or something like that. It gives that to Battlefield in Battlefield 1. Battlefield 4, it's definitely just like here, he'll, he'll, standard military early 2010s 2000, early shooter. And it definitely, it's a generic aesthetic. At this point, like Battlefield 4 was kind of a tired aesthetic, another modern military war game. It was fine, but it wasn't like outstanding. It wasn't like special. It was super fun, as we know by all the hours I played, but it wasn't really special. Where Dante's Inferno, despite me not playing it as much because it is a linear single player game, I really like the flair and aesthetic of that game, where it isn't like it's not like the most impressive thing ever, but it at least has a little bit more personality than the very generic. aesthetic art style all that of battlefield 4 so i think because of that i'm gonna vote for dante's inferno here um also because the two battlefield games came right after each other maybe this will help kind of put a little bit of distance in between them because it definitely feels weird to be like all right number random number number 70 is battlefield 1 and number 72 is battlefield 4 it's like nah let's uh let's get some distance here vary it up a little bit but In all honesty, Dante's Inferno, I probably do like just a little bit more than Battlefield 4 because that campaign brings Battlefield 4 down a lot. And despite me loving that multiplayer, that multiplayer can only stand on its own so much. It really does get brought down by that campaign in a way that Dante's Inferno doesn't quite suffer from. There's not quite as many negatives in Dante's Inferno. So yeah, we're going to go ahead and hit Dante's Inferno for this one. Crazy, I know, but it has to be done. Battle number 317... Battlefield 4 versus Borderlands 2. Hot diggity dog. Mm. Oh, pardon me. Um, drinking a little bit of uh, Gatorade there, but we'll keep that to a minimum. That's kind of rude to drink and eat on podcast. But in any case, uh, Battlefield 4 versus Borderlands 2. Gosh darn it, dog. Uh, um, Battlefield 4 versus Borderlands 2. I think here's what it comes down to. I love that multiplayer in Battlefield 4, Borderlands 2, I remember liking the story of it and thinking the narrative was actually pretty freaking well done. What falls apart for me is Borderlands 2, apparently in the short time I've spent with it recently, Borderlands 2 doesn't quite hold up as much as uh, I remembered, Um, specifically in the humor and a little bit in the gameplay where um, just the humor is just very, uh, we all know the Borderlands type humor. It's very memey, very aggressive, very loud. It's very borderline obnoxious. And at the time I was digging that, but nowadays it's like, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. Um, that's one of the things that kind of kept me away from Borderlands 3. Uh, but And then when we talk about the gameplay flaws, in Borderlands 2, now they fixed this in 3 because the shooting in 3 feels a lot better. But in Borderlands 2, guns felt disposable because there are so many of them it's hard to find one that you latch onto and want to keep permanently because you'll level out of that gun being effective pretty quickly and it's just a lot of reasons that you always want to be switching up your weapons so it's hard to ever feel an attachment to any of them and to learn their recoil patterns and their damage profiles and their burst amounts and all this stuff it's hard to like really hone into that stuff because you're switching up guns so often none of it makes it feel like none of the guns even matter And everything's going to do some type of damage, so it doesn't really matter. Um, That's my issue with Borderlands 2. And even when you get into the really high level of play in Borderlands 2, if you don't already have equipped some of the more um, challenging to acquire weapons, like some of the more rare legendary items, if you don't have any of that stuff in the high level play of Borderlands 2, then there's no reason to even play. Like, at that point, you're just hitting people with pellets, and you... I need guns no matter what gun it is. I need all the guns to feel like they're doing something. And when you get to a certain point in Borderlands 2, that is no longer the case. But I will say, as far as just the universe, I really love the universe of Borderlands. But I know for a fact that I mainly only love that universe because of Tales from the Borderlands. That is really what got me into, like... like claptrap is cool i've always kind of liked claptrap but really it, it, him and tails is really where i was like all right claptrap he, he's one he's a good one um and gordy's and a lot of the other characters in tails is really what made me fall in love with that universe but i don't think i can attribute much of that love to borderlands 2 specifically um it's really difficult to decide this one i think gee willikers Here's the thing, man, I know Battlefield 4 I played a lot of, but man, Borderlands 2 I didn't play as much of as as Battlefield 4, I know that. I beat Borderlands 2 probably twice now, uh, and I enjoyed my time with it, but man, I was all about Borderlands when it first came out. I was like one of my favorite games of all time, and I played that all the way up and down um, until I got tired of it, and then I picked it up on Vita, played it a little bit more, picked it up on PS4, beat it again there. And even though I'm not feeling as great about it in retrospect, that still is like a very well-loved game of mine. So I, despite my opinion changing over time, over the years, I don't know how much, uh, how much weight I want to give to, you know, my old opinion versus my new opinion. For Battlefield 4, I don't have a new opinion on. I'm still judging that on how I felt when I was playing it more often. Uh it's still a fun game, but it's just not a game I feel like I would need to come back to because there are other games that do modern military shooting better just by way of it being a topic of design and just a type of game that has been done over and over again and multiple times since. Uh so I think I'm gonna hit Borderlands 2. Just because it's more original, it's more unique, and for as much as I love that multiplayer in Battlefield 4. I still can't get over the fact that that campaign just not great, just did not enjoy that campaign much. So, yeah, Borderlands 2 is going to win this one. Ooh, battle number 318 at 66% sorted. Risk of Rain 2 versus Dreams. Now, you might think this is going to be really traumatic, and you might think this is going to be a really long decision, but we already know the answer to this. <laughs> now, I, I think we know, once again, I think I know the one I'm going to pick, but. I do want to say real quick, Dreams feels like it's going to be a trump card (laughs) in a lot of these. Dreams feels like it's going to be, well, do you vote against potentially every single game ever made? Because the potential of Dreams is insurmountable and it's hard for a lot of these games to pair up to that. Um, And I've seen the potential, not that I've even seen the potential, I've seen the outcome of said potential in Dreams already, even a few short months after release. And I enjoy that game, I enjoy the single player campaign that shipped with it. I enjoy I enjoy dreams a whole lot, but it's not pure crack cocaine. <laughs> it is not the straight up fresh out the needle heroin that Risk of Rain 2 is. Like holy shit man. Risk of Rain 2 is just so fucking good. And I can instantly just my brain just goes in the soup if I'm like in if I'm in the middle of a really good Risk of Rain 2 run, nothing else matters, man. Nothing else is important. Throw everything else in the trash. Risk of Rain 2 is all I care about right now in a way where dreams yes i'll see a bunch of cool and interesting things on there that impress me but like i'm not even gonna say it's few and far between because there are a lot of creations there you could play nothing but the best creations in dreams and be very 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 consistent about it you don't have to you don't have to sift through too much crap in order to find the gold um but Risk of Rain 2 is just all gold. It's all gold all the time. And especially if you're getting the right characters, the gold's even shinier. (laughs) So like, yeah, Risk of Rain 2 is gonna win this one. I I love you, Dreams. You're probably gonna be near the top, but no, Risk of Rain 2 is certainly top 10, and that's not up for debate. So yeah, battle number 318 goes to Risk of Rain 2. Battle number 319, Dreams versus Mafia 3. Here we go. Here's one that's really difficult. Uh, Um shit oh fuck Mm. ah fuck this one's hard now we've already established i like dreams a lot we already established i like mafia 3 a lot you know that very interesting late 60s story playing as a black character afro-latina by the way which i don't know if many people know that they really don't make a too big a deal of him and his Latin roots as well. Uh, Lincoln Clay being the main character of Mafia 3. Um, They really don't talk about him being a Latina in that game much, but he is Afro-Latina. So, uh, hmm, I really don't know how I could go on this one. Because here's the thing, Mafia 3, I love that story and everything, but it's Achilles' heel is that it is a fairly generic game from a gameplay standpoint. It is about getting these territories taking down all the enemies in the territory letting your people move in open world game um they have some really cool set pieces for the for the big marquee missions where you're taking out a target those set pieces are cool but they're kind of split up with a bunch of fairly generic shooting stealth missions uh i love mafia 3 though mafia 3 is just so mm. but i feel like i'm i feel like the reason this is so hard for me to pick between these two is because I have a little bit of recency bias here. Dreams did just come out this year, and I love that game, and I'm still thinking about it and while I haven't played it as much as I would have liked, you know, shame on me for that, I still think it is a remarkable achievement, and I still want to ride and die for Dreams just because I know it's going to be one of those games that's going to get overlooked at the end of the year list and people are rarely going to talk about it because it's coming out in the same year as The Last of Us Part Two. Cyberpunk, you know, all these great, great games and a new generation of consoles that are going to probably bring even more titles that we don't know about yet. Uh, Dreams is definitely a great game, but I I feel that urge to just chill with it because I know it's going to get shortchanged. But in this list, in this top 100 list, I don't even know if Dreams is going to be the the highest rated media molecule game, to be completely honest, because I think we might have already voted for Dreams over Tearaway. Um, But, like, I could easily go either way on either of those games, depending on the day. Henceforth, it might have been a bad idea to record the second half of this episode on a different day. (laughs) But Mafia 3, I'm pretty consistent in my feelings on. Uh, I I will always love that game for the reasons I love that game. And even the generic parts of it, I didn't find as being that generic because I don't play every single game that's released. So those mechanics don't become stale to me as quickly as other people may. Um, So... I think that's the main thing there. Plus, I got my little brother in Mafia 3. I don't know if I've said that. My little brother's in the other room right now. But yeah, he I got him into Mafia 3, and he's been digging it. And it makes me really happy as an older brother. So uh, I feel really good about that. But you know what? I'm going to have to do it. All due respect, to Dreams. Mafia 3 is going to win this one. Uh, I've said everything I need to say about Mafia 3. Great game. But uh I know there's I, there's probably more flaws in Mafia Three than there are in Dreams, but the things that I love about Mafia Three, I really do love. So we're gonna vote for it, despite you know any other judgment. Oh boy, that felt weird. Battle number three twenty, Dreams versus Gotham City imposters. Holy shit! Oh, this is this is Dreams. This is the Judgment Day of Dreams right now. This is gonna really go hard on them. Ah, flickety flackety floop Um, Dreams is... Gotham... I think I have to choose Gotham City Impostors, y'all. I'm sorry. Gotham City Impostors is just so satisfying from just a straight-up gameplay perspective that even if it doesn't surprise me and wow me, it's still... The thing that's impressive about Gotham City Impostors is the fact that it exists. Like, someone went to WB executives and were like, Yo... We have this multi... You know what? I was just about to say a different scenario. The scenario I was about to say was that they came to WB and said, can we make a Batman game that is this game? When in all likelihood, it was probably the other way around, where Monolith probably had an idea for a really cool multiplayer shooter with a bunch of different abilities and all this stuff. And WB said, put Batman on it. It'll sell more. And they were able to do it. And the game was fun either way but it's really, it's just such a wacky idea. Let's put a Batman game without Batman himself or any of the other Rose Gallery. Let's just make a Batman game and it's just like, the 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 people on the street it's just the thugs it's just the it's just the criminals and it's just the vigilantes like let's make that game and i think that's just a really crazy unique original idea and then the fact that it plays with all like people are sitting there flying around on air vents and grappling hook in the walls and bouncing on spring shoes like there's so many crazy aspects about gotham city imposters that i love and appreciate so dearly um and just the pure gameplay is just so much more satisfying. For even the most impressive aspects of Dreams, nothing in Dreams is gonna control and be as fun to play just purely from a gameplay perspective. Nothing in Dreams I have played so far is on the level of Gotham City Imposters as far as just pure gameplay feel, only gameplay feel. I feel like Dreams has a lot more visually impressive stuff, some probably some better music, um definitely more compelling stories in Dreams as well. Gotham City Imposters doesn't really have much of a story being a multiplayer only game. But God damn it if Gotham City Imposters isn't so fucking cool. I'm gonna have to vote for it, man. Gotham City Imposters over Dreams. We are Ooh, I am getting into reckless territory. Let's fucking go. Battle number 320 goes to Gotham City Imposters. Hot damn. Battle number 321, Dreams versus Max Payne 3. Hot shit, Ah <laughs> oh, man, they're really making me think about Dreams here, uh, Max Payne 3, I, mm. you know what, actually these are both a very similar case here because Dreams, mm. how do we do this? How do we talk about this one? I like Dreams a lot for the audacity of its narrative, where it has the audacity to put you into a shooting, put you into a side-scrolling shooter, then put you into an adventure game, and then put you into a musical where you have to like collect the notes as they're going across the screen. It does so many weird things bouncing back and forth from different tones and different aesthetics and different styles of gameplay and narrative. It does a lot of really cool stuff in Dreams where Max Payne 3 is one note from a gameplay perspective. You're just shooting people and that's the whole game. But the style of it, the Characters aren't that great. It's just, it's really just the set pieces and the aesthetics of the world. That's really why I like Max Payne 3, and I like it a whole lot. But Dreams is, Dreams feels like an experience. You can feel, I'll say it like this. When they made Max Payne 3, you could tell that with Max Payne 3, they were really trying to make something grand. Like they were trying to use their inspirations, you know, Man on Fire and all that stuff, trying to use their inspirations and make something on the level of those inspirations. They had a goal and they were shooting for it. Where Dreams feels like less they were trying to make a specific type of art and that they just wanted to express themselves. Like, Dreams feels like a a completely pure expression of artistic ability in a way where Max Payne 3 feels like a very specific execution of mimicking an artistic style. Where, not to disrespect Max Payne 3, but And Max Payne 3 doesn't even feel derivative or anything like that by way of it being a third-person shooter rather than a film. But Max Payne 3, you could tell what they're going for, or Dreams, it's not that you're trying to figure out what they're going for, you're just accepting what they've given to you because it is so much more unique. And it definitely, like I said, it feels like more of a pure expression of something rather than a... A, attempt to match or emulate something so because of that i think i'm gonna vote for dreams i love you max pain 3 you're probably gonna get some respect here in just a second if if i guessed correctly but dreams is gonna win this one battle 321 goes to dreams and oh wow fuck here we go battle 322 at 67 percent sorted double may cry 5 versus max pain 3 hot shit um Devil May Cry Five versus Max Payne Three. What the hell, dude? Ah, uh, shit. What do I like more? Because I played through both of these somewhat recently. Max Payne Three, I'm on. Uh, I think I mentioned on the last episode. I'm playing. I'm replaying Max Payne Three to listen along with the podcast. Um, so I'm almost done with that. I got two more chapters left of Max Payne Three. Devil May Cry Five, I beat last year, and I really dug that game. I really dug the. Uh, really dug the characters. Really dug the combat and that's pretty much it <laughs> like when it comes to the actual narrative the things that happened there weren't too many plot points that i was like "Ooh, shit what was that but from the encounters from the art designs really cool too like just so many cool things about devil may cry 5 that's the reason i like that game because it has a lot of cool interesting aspects but overall when you want to zoom out to the wider plot i don't care i don't know all of that stuff is nothing to me Or max Payne 3 it's less the plot isn't really compelling to me in max Payne 3 actually i think i like these games for similar reasons where artistically they're very pretty where max pain 3 has really gorgeous environments especially me replaying it on pc right now really gorgeous environments some pretty interesting characters the characters in dmc5 i probably love more but max pain 3 has some really cool characters that i like or maybe not that i like that are fun to watch is what i'll say um so Max Payne 3 is got has one there. Um and the style of it. See, Double May Cry 5 has a style, but it's not necessarily a visual style in the same way with the glitch effects of Max Payne 3. Double May Cry 5 more has just like a uh, a tone. I think it's more of a tonal thing. Cause uh sorry, I'm turning off my phone so it doesn't ring because that happens a lot. Um Double May Cry 5 is more just like trashy punk rock attitude. Like, here's this cool shit, and let's get these, just, these just horny people, they just, everyone in Devil May Cry 5 is just hot, like, it, it doesn't make sense, like, everyone in that game is hot in a completely different way, and it's really strange how they're able to do that so consistently, and they're hot in really weird ways too, it's like, yo, w- like, I'm still tripping off of Nico. I don't want to just talk about Nico for another 20 minutes, but Nico. Still can get it. Um, but in any case, um, God bless her. Uh wow. This is getting this is getting real weird. Let's make a decision here, because we've been talking about this for a second. I think uh, I think overall, because here's the other factor we're not talking about yet. Devil May Cry five, I really like Dante's moveset. Dante's moveset I think is one of the greatest uh systems of combat in any melee combat game I've ever played. But Nero isn't so cool. Uh, v is pretty cool, but like, it's not as satisfying as uh, Dante, where Dante just gives you so many options to do so many things. V, you have to play in a very specific play style. And Nero, it's not that you have to play in a very specific play style with him, it's that it just feels like a neutered version of Dante, where it's close enough to Dante, without going all the way, that it just doesn't feel quite satisfying. Um, but in Max Payne 3, you are Max the entire time, and you are fucking shit up the entire time, and you feel powerful, you feel in control, and that gunplay is super precise and super accurate and just satisfying to use, man. Like, shooting someone in Max Payne 3 is very... has more visual flair than killing someone in in Far Cry, uh, Far Cry Good God, Devil May Cry 5, um so that's the main thing there ah you know what we're gonna have to do it man i'm so sorry devil may cry 5 we're gonna come back for you but max pain 3 has to win this one uh i think overall i like it more it sticks out more in my head i have more fond memories of it devil may cry 5 i love your characters and stuff but there's just enough flaws in your combat that i could call foul on parts of you and plus the plot i don't care about in devil may cry 5 but in max pain 3 the plot is actually fairly interesting, fairly compelling. It is mostly beneath the surface for the most part, but what I do see of it, I do enjoy. So Max Pain 3, is gonna get it. Wow, did not expect that. Battle number 323, uh, Devil May Cry 5 versus Darksiders 2. Ha, huh. you know what, this one actually isn't that hard. Here's the thing, about, Darksiders 2 is a great game, but I think I like it more because it's consistent, where I like its combat a lot. I like its dungeons and puzzle solving a lot. I think its narrative is pretty good as well, but none of them are like to the love category. I'm not manic. I'm not going crazy over any one specific aspect of Darksiders 2 or Far Cry 5 or Far Cry. Good God, I'm going to do that a lot, aren't I? I haven't even played Far Cry 5. DMC 5, hopefully that will fix that. DMC 5, I absolutely adore those characters, I absolutely adore Dante's combat, like I am very excited about those two aspects of the game despite those other parts either being outright bad or just flawed to the point where I don't want to mess with them. So I think because of that, Darksiders 2 I'm more overall, oh I like this game, or parts of DMC5 I love absolutely. So because I feel more of that passion for DMC5, we're gonna go ahead and go with DMC5 on this one. Darksiders 2, I love you, but you're probably not going to end up anywhere near the top 10, so let's not kid ourselves. DMC5 it is. Battle number 324, Resident Evil 4 versus Darksiders 2. Um, This is another case where you can't really argue against Resident Evil 4 here. Uh, That pacing is great. The story isn't too strong for me, like the actual plot of Resident Evil 4, I really don't think of sticking out my mind, but just the... Just the combat and just the pacing of every single moment in Resident Evil 4. And once once you get to those that one monster that doesn't die when you shoot it and you have to get that special sniper rifle to finally kill him, oh, man, just moments like that where it just flips what you expect on your head. Love that type of stuff in Resident Evil 4. And it is genuinely terrifying when it does stuff like that. But once you overcome that challenge, it's always worth it. It is always worth it. Um, and I can't really say too much else about Darksiders 2 that I haven't already said, so we're going to go ahead and vote for Resident Evil 4. It's, it's just overwhelming here. I, uh, we're just going to vote for it. I'm not even going to say anything for Darksiders. It's RE4. RE4 is going to win this battle. Battle number 325, Doki Doki Literature Club versus Darksiders 2. Wow. Uh, man. See, this is funny, because with Doki Doki Literature Club, the thing I remember about Doki Doki the most is the fact that while I did kind of dig the whole visual novel aspect of it towards the beginning right before it changes into something completely different I wasn't I don't really love the gameplay mechanics of visual novels because they're very, they're very minimalistic It's not much to a visual novel you make your choices and that's pretty much it um and they had a little poetry mini game in Doki Doki Literature Club, but it wasn't like, sorry, I'm going to I was eating chips right before this, so I just want to wrap up the bag so it's not just hanging open and then the chips get stale and nobody wants that. Um but anyway, the elements of Doki Doki Literature Club before the big twist, I'm not super duper like crazy about. Um but but like we we already talked about it, the twist and everything that happens towards the second half of that game completely blew me away completely took me by surprise and definitely cemented it as one of my favorite games Darksiders 2 is just consistent like that's the thing about Darksiders 2. It's just very very consistent like really good combat challenges Really good boss fights. I didn't say that there's some great boss fights in that game as well Um, Just all the elements of Darksiders 2 none of them are Horrible or completely broken in any way none of them are super lackluster but Doki Doki Literature Club despite me like I said, I'll say it like this Doki Doki Literature Club first half, like a 7 out of 10 ish, about if I was to rate that section. Where you get to the back half, that's 10 out of 10, man. That's so subversive and just does so much shit that I didn't expect. That's full 10. Where Darksiders overall, that whole game is probably consistently an 8 out of 10. Just because everything's solid, everything's really good, everything's really well done. It's hard for me to call fault to much of anything in Darksiders 2 so i think i think i'm gonna go ahead and give it to doki doki literature club because i'll take i'll take i'll take half of i'll take half flaws and half excellence over a complete competency the whole way through like i think i'll take that most of the time so doki doki literature club is going to win this just because it sticks out of my head more because of that big uh twist there and yeah, Dark Siders 2 is still great. If you haven't played it, I recommend it. it. has a good story as well, and it's a more impactful story to a lot of people I've seen from YouTube videos and stuff, but for me, Doki Doki is the one. So let's go ahead and click it. Battle number 326, Metro Exodus versus Darksiders 2. Huh, wow. Mm. Metro Exodus I put on here because it is that classic uh, scavenging for resources, exploring the open world, take out enemies here and there if you're threatened. It does have that pace that I really enjoy, but I like how it takes into account so many of your actions where you can roam the open world and find items for your friends and family members and like get the you can do a side mission to get this teddy bear for this girl uh you can do a side mission to get this guitar for one of your uh one of your military squad mates um you can do all these aspects that connect you to the characters more but it really cares about character all the way down to the mechanics like you can you can come up to enemies and if your weapon is holstered they might not shoot on sight you know they might actually take the time and listen to you talk and It's it's just really cool to see a game do something like that where I'm sure it's not the first time that's been done But for me, that's the first time I experienced it. So Metro Exodus really sticks out in my mind but I Don't know man for as much as I like Metro Exodus Darksiders 2 is just so It's really good Mm. See here's the thing I feel like these are very equally matched games in my mind like Darksiders 2 is a very consistent game or Metro Exodus because because my biggest issue with Metro Exodus is that because it is an exploratory game, but it's such an impressive game, it's so much about the slow pace and the fact that you're, you're not this super agile guy. You're walking at a very slow pace, you're running at a very slow pace even. Um, even when you get into a vehicle, they, cl- they control very slowly. It isn't intuitive to move these things around, but all of that adds to the atmosphere of the game. It all adds to the experience. To the point where I didn't feel aggravated about it. And you're talking to somebody who adores Titanfall 2, so if the speed of that, uh, the speed of Metro Exodus, or its lack of speed in Metro Exodus, didn't get me to hate the game, that must mean that its atmosphere is worth preserving. So, I love that about Metro Exodus. Darksiders 2 doesn't have too much of an atmosphere to uphold, but like I said, it's just very consistent. It's just remarkably consistent. Uh but Metro Exodus does bounce back and forth between those exploratory moments and it does have the more linear sections that I really like where you just shoot a bunch of dudes in a hallway because sometimes that's what you want. (laughs) After you've been exploring for three hours, it is fun to just go through a nice linear section of a campaign where you know where to progress and there's not too much, you know, agency for players to get lost or to just have to scounge around an entire environment. Um... I think we're, God, this one's really hard. Metro Exodus versus Darksiders 2. I did not expect this to be so hard. I think I'm going to go for Darksiders 2. I'm going to go for Darksiders 2 only because the variety of gameplay in Darksiders 2 is more than Metro Exodus. Where Metro Exodus, for all the cool moments in that game, it is still either you're shooting or you're stealthing. And that's it. There's not much, there's not even that much in the way of like dialogue conversations, and stuff like that. It really is just shooting, looting, stealthing, maybe vehicles, and that's it. For Darksiders 2, sometimes you're, sometimes you're fighting, sometimes you're climbing, sometimes you're platforming, sometimes you're puzzle solving. Uh, There's even a little bit of dialogue choice here and there. It's not like some massive RPG, but there are, you know, it, it is trying to tell that more Trying to be more closer to an RPG as far as its style. Um, yeah, Darksiders 2 is going to win here. Uh, Metro Exodus, I love you, ya, but y'all are two equally matched. So I'm just going to give that more unique variation of gameplay to Darksiders 2 for this one. Battle 326, Darksiders 2. Battle number 327, Metro Exodus versus Sleeping Dogs. You know what? This one actually isn't that hard now that I'm thinking about it. Um, Sleeping Dogs is going to win this one. I... I don't know what to tell you, man. Just the combat in Sleeping Dogs is really satisfying. The driving is really satisfying. I remember that story being very compelling and very unique to other games I had played. Um, Or Metro Exodus, I probably need to beat Metro Exodus, which still feels unfair that I put it on here without having beat it, but it is what it is. I'm going with it anyway. Um, Yeah, Sleeping Dogs, man, it's actually hard. I don't know. Metro Exodus, I really, you know what i think we're gonna vote for metro exodus just because of the, what i just said earlier where it it takes into account all of your gameplay actions in metro exodus in a very specific way that most games don't do where sleeping dogs yes it has the triad meter and the cop meter and it is tracking how you play the game but that doesn't play into the narrative quite as much where metro exodus certain characters live or die by how you approach them like you can take out people non-lethally and it, and it bodes well for the game or you can just be a total asshole and kill everybody And I really like that about Metro Exodus and even in a few few uh, missions that I've played of Metro Exodus You can definitely see that being you know seeing those, see those decisions and how they pay off or otherwise So I really like that about Metro Exodus sleeping dogs. It is the same story. No matter how you play it There's not much extra agency there So I'm gonna go ahead and vote for Metro Exodus here I could come to regret that once I finally get to the end of the game and the ending is disappointing somehow, but I have faith Metro Exodus is going to hold it up for the most part. So we're going to vote for Metro Exodus here. Battle 327, Metro Exodus. Battle 328 at 68% sorted. Uh, a short hike versus sleeping dogs. <clears throat> Gee willikers. Uh I think we're going to do... We'll do a short hike. We're going to do a short hike because I like, like I said, I'm a... I'm a big lover of uh, mechanics that relate to your movement. So the flying, the climbing, all that stuff in a short hike really, really gets to me. Where Sleeping Dogs does have that cool parkour system, but it is a little bit finicky because it is timing based. And also that parkour system isn't something you use throughout the game. It really only comes in handy for certain scripted sequences. And while you can use it wherever you want to in the game, the environment isn't laid out in a way where it's encouraging you to jump on rooftops and run across cars it isn't encouraging you to like really get crazy with the parkour system it is something that only certain alleyways certain city streets and markets are going to really accommodate for um or a short hike that entire world is kind of a sandbox for movement and like i said it wraps up perfectly uh sleeping dogs i played a lot of sleeping dogs i probably got really close to the platinum and then i had to start doing certain challenges that were really difficult for me to pull off but sleeping dogs i really loved that game but i think short hike i just left way more positive on when i left it where sleeping dogs felt like oh that was pretty good where short hike was like wow what the fuck that was great so yeah i think i'm gonna hit a short hike here love sleeping dogs but we'll give some respect to sleeping dogs pretty soon we're gonna hit a short hike right here Wow, okay, here we go. Battle number 329, Bioshock versus Sleeping Dogs. Woof. Uh, um, now, we talked about Bioshock. The biggest problem with Bioshock is that it's not Bioshock 2. So I always think about all the combat mechanics and stuff it could have had in the next game. But Sleeping Dogs. Ugh. Wow. I really have to think about this, man. How much do I like the combat in Sleeping Knots? Because Bioshock has fairly good combat. It is neutered with the lack of the dual-wielding option, but, you know, using that, using that stuff against Big Daddies was super fun. You know what? I think, I think I know what it is. In Bioshock, all the different tools you get, all the different mechanics for placing mines, placing traps, all that type of stuff is really cool to use on just the Big Daddies. You really don't get to use those on the splicers too much in Bioshock 1. And I think that's why I like Bioshock 2 so much, because you get to use every single part of your arsenal on every type of enemy, where it's not just the big daddies anymore. You can, you know, get at them from the people on the ground, and then all the splicers come out to walk right into your traps as well. And that's what I like about that game. Um, Hmm. I think... I think I have to do a variety thing again because I know people love the narrative of Bioshock, but besides that twist What else is there? You fight the big Fontaine dude? You dress up as a big daddy and it does and it's really silly in retrospect compared to the second game Um, I, I Hmm I don't know man. I think I'm gonna go for the variety play sleeping dogs has a wider variety of things to do Oh, and you could go on dates in sleeping dogs. I forgot that and they had karaoke man Sleeping Dogs wins. <laughs> you can do a lot of cool shit in Sleeping Dogs where Bioshock is a great game, but it's it's undeniably more one note than Sleeping Dogs. Where yes, you can talk about the quality of all those different things you can do in Sleeping Dogs, but the quality was totally good in my in my opinion. So we're gonna go with Sleeping Dogs here. That's wild, I know, but Sleeping Dogs wins over Bioshock. Battle number 330, Bioshock versus Enslaved Odyssey to the West. Who? Whoo, am I about to make somebody mad? I'm sure I did with that last one anyway, but let's see here. I think, I think Enslave might win this dog, because I'm thinking about it, man. Bioshock 1 doesn't impress me too much on sheer visuals. Like, yes, it's cool that you got, actually, Bioshock is cool. Bioshock does have really impressive visuals, or less visuals, let's talk artistic design. Environments in Bioshock would look really cool. Like, they do a lot of cool things with environments, but Enslaved Odyssey to the West, just the aesthetic of its own technology is so cool to me. The characters are so cool to me. I really think just that, you, you're, fe- like in Enslaved, even the HUD is really neat. Where Bioshock, the HUD is like, all right, it's gold to go with this whole, I don't know. 1950s aesthetic like all right I've seen that aesthetic before where Enslaved feels like some really interesting cool new technological dystopia type stuff it was really out there in a way that I appreciated where I don't know dude Enslaved Odyssey to the West narratively I don't know narratively it was still pretty cool but I don't know dude that ending, the ending of, here's the thing, the ending of Enslaved really, really took the wind out of my sails, because it is, it is a very ambiguous ending, but not ambiguous in a way where, oh, I got a lot to think about. It was more ambiguous in a way of, well, then what happened then? Because I don't get what you just told me. Like, what the fuck was that? So it kind of felt like it cheapened the whole adventure just a little bit. But Bioshock, that ending, actually, yeah, you mm, the good ending in Bioshock is actually very satisfying. Um, it's just, you know, that boss fight was kind of BS and some of the stuff, pretty much most of the game after the big twist is bleh in Bioshock. Ah, uh, I think. Yeah. And enslaved, I'm thinking about to enslave the, the platforming wasn't all that engaging because it was very automatic and, you know, you just hit a button and you go there pretty much. You don't really have to worry about the challenge of it or the pathfinding and Bioshock doesn't really have any of that. And the the combat in Bioshock is still pretty engaging despite not having those extra options from the sequel. Um while Enslaved, I did enjoy its combat, but it it, it took a while to get a hang to. Because you had to worry about blocking projectiles and all this other stuff. There were some quirks I remember in the enslaved combat system. But Bioshock was pretty intuitive from the start. Uh hmm. This is gonna be hard. You know what, fuck it. We're doing Bioshock. Bioshock deserves to win this one. I've talked enough shit on Bioshock in this whole series, so let's go ahead and give it to Bioshock. Battle 330, Bioshock. Battle 331, Binary Domain versus Enslaved, Odyssey to the West. Wow. Um, I think we're gonna have to go with Binary Domain here, which I was I really wasn't expecting this. I was expecting the next game to be just Enslaved wins automatically, but Binary Domain, I really enjoy those characters. I really think that, I really like the set pieces and I really loved tearing the robots apart with all your different weapons and just the particle effects and stuff of that. And that game is super ridiculous in a way that I appreciate. And Enslaved isn't, Enslaved isn't a deadly serious story. There is some whimsy and some humor in there, but overall Binary Domain feels more like a parody, like a Saints Row S type game in tone. Uh, where Enslaved Odyssey to the West definitely feels a lot more grounded. Uh, yeah, Binary Domain might have a little bit more generic things in common with, like, a Gears of War, where it's very generic sci-fi in a lot of ways, but I, I like the moxie of, of that game. I like the, I don't know, there's a certain genesis of Binary Domain that I really dig that Enslaved Odyssey to the West just doesn't have, where I like the world of Enslaved Probably more than I like the characters or binary domain. I like the characters more than the world. And honestly, when it comes down to it, I love people, man. I like characters. So give me the game with the cooler, more interesting characters, which is binary domain for me. So binary domain wins battle 331. Oh boy. Okay. Here we go. We got a winner now battle number 332 fear Two project origin versus enslaved odyssey to the West Enslaves winning this one. Um, We've talked about Fear 2 a bunch. Love that game still. But Enslaved is just... There's a lot more going on with Enslaved. And a lot more unique. Enslaved feels more original than Fear 2 does. So because of that, we're going to go with Enslaved. For the reasons I've already talked about. Who? Battle 333. Fear 2, Project Origin versus Spec Ops The Line. Um, This is another easy one. Spec Ops The Line is that classic game with that crazy narrative... Um just really impactful narratively. Now I will say I probably enjoyed the combat in Fear 2 just a little bit more than Spec Ops the Line. And I know I've actually noticed people actually dislike Spec Ops the Line's uh gameplay pretty harshly. Where yes, I know it's generic, but it's not outright bad in my opinion. Um which you know trips me up a little bit, but overall I think Spec Ops The Line is still a great game. And you know what? Because of that We're going to go ahead and vote for it. Spec Ops The Line is going to win this one. And like I said, this is, I kind of expected this as soon as I saw this matchup go. Fear 2, great game and all, but it doesn't hold a candle to the modern classic that is Spec Ops The Line. One day I hope we get some type of spiritual successor. I don't think you're going to get an actual direct sequel because that doesn't seem appropriate, but I'd love to see some other soldiers in a similar situation to see how they break down and stuff like that. So Spec Ops The Line, it is. Battle number 334, Fear 2 Project Origin versus Destiny 2. Um, we Yeah, Destiny 2 is going to win this one. Because for as cool as I think the combat is in Fear 2 Project Origin, and for as much as I love that really terrifying narrative conceit that Alma, what what, what Alma's motives are in Fear 2 Project Origin, it's really crazy. Um, and I like that about it. It really hones in on one of my deepest, darkest fears. Uh and so I like that about Fear 2, but Destiny 2, man. Just the combat in Destiny 2 is just so explosive, so beautiful, so fast-paced. Um if you're playing on PC, I want to make that clear. Yeah, Destiny 2 is just incredible to play. Like just gameplay-wise, Destiny 2 there's no there's very few shooters that match Destiny 2's gameplay. So, because of that, Destiny 2 is going to win this one. Fear 2, I respect you. I love you. But Destiny 2, man. Come on. It's Destiny 2, like goddamn, it's fucking brilliant. That gambit mode, just stroke of genius, dude. So yeah, Destiny 2 is gonna win above Fear 2 Project Origin. Battle number 335, at 69% sorted, we are getting towards the end. Finally, after more than two hours of recording, I am so sorry. Um, Fear 2 Project Origin versus Singularity. Huh, ha ha ha, goddamn. Um, you know what? We're gonna go. We're gonna go with Singularity on this one, and I know that might seem crazy, but the thing about Singularity is I, I keep going back to Variety. Variety is the is my stick in the mud today, where Singularity had a lot of they both these games had a lot of different weapons, had a pretty wide arsenal, but you look at Singularity, and I think it's the trophy list really, because the trophy list en- encouraged you to use the weapons in Singularity in different ways that you probably wouldn't have done so before. So, let me see here. I actually got PSN profiles pulled up right now so I can look up the trophies for singularity because I wanna make this point correctly. singularity, I spelled singular. Oh no, I spelled it right. Oh, I just spelled singularit. I didn't put the Y on it. It's whatever. Uh, Oh, I can beat it on hard mode for another trophy. I'll think about that. But in any case, where's that one trophy Oh, yeah, and there's a bunch of different uh, endings in Singularity as well, which Fear 2 can't say, which I think is fine, because Fear 2's story, like I said, is pretty cool, or the the motivations for its villain are very cool. But they have this one trophy. This is, this is just an example. No time to bleed. 15 autocannon kills without reloading in the single-player campaign. And for most of you who didn't play Singularity, audio, the cannon is basically like their big, supermassive not light machine gun, but just their massive like belt fed chain gun. And it has like probably 50 rounds in there, but they give you a trophy if you take out 15 enemies without reloading once, it gives you that trophy. And so it encourages you to use that massive clip without reloading, encourages you to use that clip very precisely and to really lean into the strengths of that weapon. Um, They have another similar trophy for the, uh, oh, the Volk S4. Oh wait, that's the shotgun. Okay, no, which one is it? Slow-mo kills, that's it, the Kazmakov, uh SN7E99 slow-mo kills. Get 25 slow-mo kills with it, and that's basically leaning into its alternate fire where it's a sniper rifle, but you can turn on the alternate fire which will shoot a slow-motion bullet that kind of, kind of like a Max Payne 3 where it zooms in on the bullet, but then you get to control the bullet and hit the enemy in the face. It encourages you to use the strengths and use the special abilities of each weapon, where it kind of brings out what's so great about each weapon. Where in Fear 2 Project Origin you can very easily fall into the rut of oh the shotgun is great, i make sure I have that on me. Oh the assault rifle is great, make sure I have that on me. And just the most powerful weapons you can just keep on yourself. And of course they do the, similar to Call of Duty, they do the thing where oh you want to use that weapon? Well you better be real good because there's no ammo for it on this level. So you have to really play precisely if you want to play the way you want to. But in Singularity, They really make it easier for you to play your way, because they do have the stations where you can upgrade your weapons as well, and it rewards you for really sticking to different weapons and just being good at the game and playing it more. Um, Yeah, overall Singularity is where I'm getting at, Um, and plus I love the sci-fi aesthetics of Singularity a lot, and just the really crazy twists and turns in that campaign. I really love Singularity, so yeah, we're going with that. Battle number 336, Fear 2 Project Origin versus Portal. Um, We've talked enough about Portal on this episode, or not on this episode, but just in general. Talked enough about Portal. Fear 2 is going to win this one. I like that combat a lot more. Um, The aesthetics of the... I I keep talking about the ghosts, the ghosts in Fear 2 Project Origin. Really freaky in a way that I appreciate. Yeah, Fear 2 just wins. I'm sorry, Portal, but Fear 2 it is. Let's go. Battle number 337, Darksiders 1 versus Portal 1. Huh. I think... My instinct said go to Darksiders, but mm, I like Darksiders a lot. Narratively, I couldn't tell you jack shit about Darksiders. I do I even like that many of the environments. The environments don't even stick out to me in Darksiders 1 that much. Like they're very much so. Not generic, but most of it takes place on Earth. So I remember like a bunch of destroyed city streets. I remember some there was like some babbling brook that you go to a really beautiful looking creek with some grass and stuff. But there's nothing like the big field where you do that boss fight in Darksiders 2. There's nothing like the the I I don't think it's hell, but like the land of the dead or something like that, where everything's like drowned out in this bunch of dark purples and stuff like that. You don't get anything on that level in Darksiders 1. But Portal 1 is just fine. That's the thing, man. Portal 1 is just a fine game. Like, it's pretty cool. Like, I probably would have been so much more in love with it if I played it and it wasn't already a meme by the time I got to it. But, like, it is what it is, man. Portal's a cool game, but it's just not Darksiders. And I, I, I think the franchise overall I am in love with when it comes to Darksiders. Where Portal, I have no attachment to that franchise. Like, in all seriousness, I have no attachment to that franchise. Mm. So, mm. Think Darksiders is going to win this one because they did for even if the actual environments and narrative and stuff doesn't speak to me too much. The core gameplay, like the combat and exploration for different hidden collectibles and stuff, just that stuff in Darksiders is a lot more compelling than shoot portal here, shoot portal there. Where I think that's a great gameplay mechanic, super innovative, and I love it a lot. But when it comes down to it, if you told me I had to do one of those actions for 50 hours, I don't want to shoot portals for 50 hours and you know different mechanics added in to spice it up but at its core i don't want to shoot portals for 50 hours where i could totally hack and slash up some people and explore different environments for 50 hours and i probably did close to that in darksiders probably closer to 20 hours but darksiders is going to win this one battle number 338 half-life 2 versus portal ha 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 shit um let's let's think about this here let's not get too brash here y'all I think, hmm, I think I'm going to go for, shit, nah, you know what, this isn't that hard, Half-Life 2 is going to win this one, Um, we all know, I l- really dig that portal gun, or not portal gun, I the portal gun's fine, it's the gravity gun in Half-Life 2 that I really go crazy about, and just the utility of that thing, just... I don't know, it's just a really cool weapon, and the augmentations you get to it at the end of the game are incredible. I think that stuff is super awesome. Um, So yeah, Half-Life 2, yeah, there's no question here, Half-Life 2 wins, because by way of it being a more traditional shooter, I'm going to enjoy it a little bit more than Portal 1, Uh, where, but it also, Half-Life 2 is just really cool. Half-Life 2 has some really cool ideas, and Portal does too, but it it's not as engaging from a gameplay perspective for me personally. So we're gonna go ahead and select Half-Life 2 here. Battle number 339, Costume Quest versus Portal. I think we're still gonna go for Costume Quest. <laughs> I am so sorry, Portal. We we shit on Portal at every moment we get in this series. I am so sorry for it, but yeah, Costume Quest, man. I love that. I love the world, I love the characters, I love the art design. That's really why I love that game. Art design is just so on point and just the really cutesy aesthetic of it in general. I really love in Costume Quest. Like I said, I would take any, uh, I would take characters from any of these other games that we are selecting in here. I would take a character in the Costume Quest style of any of these other characters because I love that art style so much. I think it's so great. And I should probably watch that Amazon cartoon that they have on Amazon Prime. Maybe I'll get around to that, but in all likelihood, I probably won't. <laughs> it's for kids anyway, so you know, we'll we'll leave it for them. But in any case, Really do love Costume Quest, and we're gonna go ahead and vote for it here over Portal for three thirty-nine. Oh man, I am going to get so much hate mail. Ah! <laughs> Battle number three forty, Kanan Lynch Two Dog Days versus Portal. God damn it! Mm. I know y'all gonna hate me. I really want to pick Kanan Lynch Two right now. I really want to pick Canyon Lynch 2 right now, Ugh. here's the thing man, The reason I, we already talked about it, the reason I love Canyon Lynch 2 is because it, is, it wants to be as ugly as possible, it wants to have these hideous characters that you dislike, it wants to have these really horrible artifacting video uh, effects on screen, it really wants to be just the most appalling game ever. And it accomplishes that, but it does so at the cost of satisfying gunplay. (laughs) Oh my god, sorry. I did the nose thing again. I do that every episode. We got so close to the end without me doing it, but I'm so sorry. Mm. In any case, mm. oh my gosh, I'll have to calm that down. In any case, uh, Portal... How, what I, Here's the thing man, it's hard to even talk about Portal in a compelling way because other than the puzzle mechanics and GLaDOS being revealed as a villain and all this stuff and all the typical things that people love about Portal, you know Portal, is, Portal is, a exhausting, is an exhausting game to talk about because I don't feel as strongly on it as the rest of the world does So it's hard for me to like love it. It's one of those games where I was like, oh, that was really impressive Like I, or not impressive, it's just like, oh, that was really cool. Like, I get it, you know, and Portal is a game that like, oh, I get why people love this and I still like it a lot because it's on my top 100 games list, but I'm just not over the moon about it. Where Canyon Lynch 2, I'm excited to talk about that game. Like if someone invited me on their podcast to talk about Canyon Lynch 2, I'd do it in a fucking heartbeat. But Portal is like, what else is there to say about Portal that people haven't already said a million times? And I think that's because Canyon Lynch 2 is just a dark horse pick. No one ever talks about that game where portal people love to talk about that series and that game but uh i'm gonna do it i'm sorry y'all gonna hate me but it's whatever i gotta do i gotta follow my heart and my heart says canon lynch two dog days over portal one i'm so sorry (laughs) let's hit it wow i just did that and we have a hell of a matchup (laughs) Oh my god, we have a hell of a matchup to start in the next episode, because we are now on Battle 341 at 70% sorted, and you guys, oh my god, I'm about to to really be in pain with this next selection here, but we're going to get to that in the next episode. We finally hit the end of Keeping It 100, episode 6. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. And I do remember what I said at the top of the last time I started recording this. Um, I was going to tell you a little bit more about the finale. Um, I will say I am actively working on the finale now. I have to make a really long script. I have to write little blurbs for every single one of these 100 games. And I have to, you know, think of stuff to say. I'm working on it now. I already got about 10% of the games written about, but I'm going to be working on that over the next coming weeks. It's going to take a very, very, very long time. So please be patient with me. Um, this isn't going to happen overnight. <laughs> this this is this is going to take a while. This might be my summer project. And I remember saying, either it was on this podcast or the, or the uh, Players Club podcast, I remember saying I was trying to get this done before The Last of Us Part 2 came out lord jesus i don't know if that's gonna happen because thinking about just logistically how much work i have to do for this is gonna take a while it'll definitely come out this summer i'm confident in that but boy howdy trying to get this thing out in the next what month and a half don't sound too possible so we're i'm gonna take my time with it i'm gonna try and make sure i do it as right as i can so you know be on the lookout for that but i will be uh Pretty soon, I will say one thing I'm definitely doing before Last of Us Part 2 comes out, probably before this month is over, I'm going to be putting out that video where it's going to be a call for, hey, if you want to be in the video, if you want to record yourself talking about one of these games, if, that, if you love it as much as I do, please go ahead and send it over. That way I can kind of gauge, you know, how many people want to send videos and how many people want to be incorporated in this thing so I can start planning that editing process out. I'm going to be very excited about that, so be on the lookout for that i i did give out that announcement a couple of episodes ago i'm pretty sure but it's gonna actually happen now because now i'm actually doing work and planning stuff out so yes be on the lookout for that we'll probably get some you'll probably see a tweet from me fairly soon probably within the next week (laughs) so yeah look out for that uh because especially school's about to wrap up here so i'll have about two weeks before summer classes get rolling but Yeah, that's pretty much all I got for this episode. Thank you guys for listening to Keeping 100. Thank you guys for watching if you're on the YouTube channel. And overall, just be good people. Be good to each other. And we'll all get through this weird time together. I really, I feel so corny with these little PSAs I give at the end of these episodes because it's like, oh, these unprecedented times. It's like, we know the times are unprecedented. It just feels stupid, you know? Like, I I hear these advertisements at work where it's like, thank you guys for standing strong because I work at a grocery store. So it's just like... Thank you for our essential workers for keeping the world moving while other people are trying to heal, and it's like, bro, shut the fuck up and just pay me more, you know? (laughs) It's just stuff like that, but I'm getting off my soapbox here. I gotta stop hopping on the soapbox right at the end here. Um, But thank you guys once again, and as I always say, keep it real, keep it true. See you in the next one, folks.